ops, and a little bit of paranoia. Welcome to the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. Welcome to tonight's episode of the Iron Sysadmin Podcast, folks. Where um, we count! Where we, we count here! Where we count down because we can't hear the intro music, so hopefully that went smoothly. <laughs> Five, no ten, no five, uh, no no five. <laughs> it's the holy hand grenade of Antioch all over again. Oh, uh, it's gonna be a fun night, folks. So I'm your host Nate, as usual, and tonight I am joined by the one and only Uncle Mark. Holla! Uh, Hi, Nate. So, what do you think about last uh, the last episode we did? Wasn't that wasn't that fun when we had that well, guy on the show? You know, I consider it. Uh, I'll. To channel the Hulk from the last Avengers movie, and if it's a spoiler, I'm sorry, you've been sitting on your butt for too long. Yeah, right. I consider it a total win, right? Where we had a great conversation with Chris, Chris Wright, the CTO from Red Hat, and we're both still gainfully employed we're at Red Hat. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. That so, works out really, really well. <laughs> yeah. So so my, my dog's children and wife all appreciate that I didn't say something stupid and get myself fired. So, yeah. I, yeah. You know, I, mean, I, I appreciate it too, because you saying something stupid and getting you fired could have also gotten me fired since I host the yeah. show and all. So yeah, I, th- I think it all worked out well. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, now truth be told, I don't actually think that was ever really going to happen. But no, you're probably obviously right. when you've got a high profile guest like that, and, and we love all our guests, by the way, we love Greg Scott. We, mm-hmm. we love, uh, what, who is it? Charles or Chuck? Chuck Gaiman. Yes. The Chuck author. Gaiman. We love Chuck Gaiman. Yep. I even love the guest I wasn't even on the show with like the, 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 the prior episodes I've heard. Um, we haven't had a terrible number of guests. No, terrible no, is probably but, the wrong word. We haven't had a large number of guests. How's that? Yeah, <laughs> but obviously, when you when you're dealing with somebody who who is uh, is very high up in your company, even a company that's honestly as chill and cool as Red Hat, there's yeah. a little bit of nervous anticipation. You want to do right by them. You want to do a good job. You don't want to be insulting. Yeah, absolutely. And you want to make sure that they have a good time as well as give the viewers something. Listeners, viewers, I don't, the audience. The both, the audience. That's the way to do it. The audience. You know, give the audience what they're coming for this for, which I assume has something to do with, they love my Disney singing. No, that's probably not why they're coming here at all. No, that's got to be it. It's the singing because they can't, they can't be here for the show, can they? But Trooper is saying that it was a great interview. Indeed. And Indeed. he's happy that we still have our job. So, hey, look at me. Interact with the chat. It's yeah. It's almost like I'm a podcaster now. Almost. Almost like you're I'm a podcaster, a podcaster now. now. So, yeah. before we get started on tonight's show, I have one thing to mention, and that is we are trying out multi-streaming. So, if you're watching live on YouTube, and if you either prefer Twitch or simply want to help us out by trying Twitch... You can hop on over to twitch.com slash podcast and let us know how the stream looks. Now, I'm watching in the little studio thing I have here for Twitch, and it looks just like it does on YouTube. So I think it's working. Um, But if you want to try it out, try it out. If it works well, we're going to keep doing it because I'd like to sort of broaden. I know some people have issue with the way YouTube handles things, and I don't blame them. so I'd like to broaden that so that if there's people who have, you know, reasons that they don't want to use YouTube because they don't want to support Google or they don't like the way they do things or they don't like the way YouTube treats creators, which are all valid things, 
I'm going to give people a way to still watch the show live if they want to. So by supporting Amazon, who, well, I. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, look, if, if there is if there is a third party <laughs> that isn't Amazon or Google, let me know. <laughs> I uh, we could self-host using uh, using something, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure it I'm would sure. explode horribly. It could. Yeah, you, you tried to get me to use some self-hosted open source thing earlier this week, and I felt terrible giving you negative feedback about it. But it yeah. truly was. Uh, it was a dumpster fire, man. Well, I mean, we're going to talk oh. about that a bit uh, in the chat part of the show. Um, okay, good. Because I'm still tinkering with that, and hopefully making it less of a garbage fire. Well, hopefully we can do something to make it a little more usable. But we'll we'll talk about okay. what that is and why we're testing it later. For now, we're going to talk about our main topic, which is my efforts to move my CentOS 7 host on DigitalOcean over to CentOS 8 on DigitalOcean. Now, you might ask, I'm a Red Hat employee. Why am I not using RHEL? That's because DigitalOcean offers CentOS and not RHEL. Um, why am I using DigitalOcean and not Amazon? That should be obvious. So, <laughs> Because I'm me. <laughs> right. So actually using RHEL... Uh, one could argue you could use the developer subscription, but would you consider what you do something that would be considered production use? Yeah, so it is production yeah. use. And technically, I'm not supposed to be using the subscriptions I have access to for production no, things. No, that would be bad. Yes. And you don't want to pay for a sub because, honestly, you're not the target audience to pay for a rel sub. Yeah, what am I going to do? Buy one, buy one rel sub? <laughs> no, the Go other ahead. thing is DigitalOcean, um, they they sort of prepackage the operating system. There's not a, like, I can't just pop in a RHEL DVD and install it myself. Oh, so it's a, it's essentially an AMI. Is AMI a neutral? I don't know if it is term? or not, but it's the same concept where you have an image or a, you know, a, a blessed packaged operating system oh, that they provision for you, just, just, like a, just like an EC2 instance. Yeah. So... They use in stack or we don't know. I really don't know what they are underneath. I don't know if there's a way I can tell uh, from within the guest. Uh, I don't know. If anybody listening knows OpenStack enough to to answer that question, hey, if I'm on OpenStack as a guest, can I find out? Let us know. Drop yeah. it in the chat. Yeah. So I, I don't feel like frantically Googling about it right now. I do I do happen to know a guy. We've and had I'm not him. a stack. I'm not a stack damn. We had him on the show a very long time ago. If you guys, if any listeners are still here from about, I don't know, three years ago when we had my buddy John Fulton on the show, um, he he's a he's a a developer on the Triple O slash OpenStack Director Project at Red Hat, and we had him on to talk about Stack. Maybe we'll have him on again sometime to uh, to chat about you know the current state of OpenStack and whatnot because that was that was fun. It was fun when we had him on last time. I like John. I think I'm pretty sure I've met him in real life a few times in new york you may have he used to be a tam ah, ah. he was i a, think we i think we've had alcohol together i'm pretty sure about it's that. likely it's likely he's a good guy yeah. anyway so what i wanted to talk about tonight was um about might even be a month ago at this point i had decided it was finally time to upgrade my digital ocean instance from like i said centos 7 running docker to centos 8 running Podman. So Amen. you might ask, why am I doing that? Well, if you're unfamiliar with Podman or basically the, the packaging of Docker in, in rel slash CentOS slash Enterprise Linux 8, uh, Docker is gone. There's reasons for that. I'm not going to go into this today. So 
So, so let's take a step back, Nate. Sure. So I'm a big, I'm a rel five guy. Far enough. Like, like Linus intended, right? That's what I run. Why do I give a crap about Docker? Like, who why cares? Do you, why Docker, do you give Podman? a crap about Docker? So we've talked about containers in the past, but I guess it's not. It's never too late for a refresher. Never too early for a refresher. I don't know. <laughs> so I containerize the applications on my host so that I can keep them uh, sort of compartmentalized and also keep their dependencies uh, localized to each application, right? So the idea is uh, you can make a container, which then makes an image, right? And then you can take that image and run it anywhere that you can run containers, right? So um, if you've got a Docker host or a Podman host, you can take the same types of containers and you can run them on either, which means you can develop on your laptop and you know, then push to a production host or a platform like Kubernetes or OpenShift or lots of other container orchestration uh, uh, platforms. Um, Sounds good. Uh, can I can I pause you for a second because I need to get something out of my system? Go right ahead. Na 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 Podman, Podman, bam, pow, woo! Well, I'm glad you've got that out of your system. Oh, I had to. I, I have friends who are complaining because Hamilton's on Disney Plus right now. And they're not complaining because Hamilton's on Disney Plus. It's because all their tween daughters are watching it. Yeah. And they're getting the song, song stuck in their heads. And I'm like, you just have to sing it out, man. It is actually kind of funny because my wife's watched it like 100 times at this point, which I think I mentioned on our last show. And you sing it out. she's also listening to the, the soundtrack, like whenever we drive anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so I probably know all the songs and I have not actually seen Hamilton yet. <laughs> we are out, God. What out, man? Yeah, what? right. Out none, but out planned. What? And, and there we go. Straight just off like track already. The, just like they sang in the Revolutionary War. <laughs> just like they sang Re- Revolutionary War while marching right. into battle. <laughs> Uh, my uh, so, Jeep is named Hercules Mulligan. I don't know if you knew that. I named my Jeep Hercules Mulligan. Really? Yeah. That's well, it is a patriot after all, right? It is. That's why. That's <laughs> one of the reasons why. He's, yeah. Anyway. So anyway, so you decided uh, you wanted to go to right. CentOS 8 and you had already containerized your application. Yep. And that was using, as Dan Walsh would say, DACA. 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 So um the big difference between Docker and Podman is that Docker requires two things. One of them is it requires a daemon to run. Uh, that's how it starts your containers up, and that's how it containerizes your containers. And it requires root. So Docker, the daemon, runs as root. And uh, that's not a horrible thing, but it's also not a great thing, right? A, a well-written service that runs as root probably won't be a problem. But mm. a service running as root it could always be a problem when someone finds sure. the right problem, right? Sure. So uh, what Podman does is it doesn't need a daemon. You can execute a, uh, uh, you can start up a pod as a user without root privileges, assuming that the container does not require root privileges. And that's the problem uh... that I ran into. The problem I ran into is that all of the things that I'm running required root privileges. So I ended up having to run them as root anyway. So I'm going to have to, 
going to have to circle back and see if there's something I can do about that. And I really think mm. it came down to a file system permissions thing that I might be able to fix. But... Is it file system or is it a port thing? Like it wants a low numbered port. Maybe you could use a firewall rule to well, redirect. Well, no, that isn't it. And I can, I'll talk more about yeah, the architecture. I sound like I actually know what I'm talking about when I right. say things like that. Right, right. So I'll, I'll talk more about the architecture <laughs> that I actually deploy in, right? And, and you'll see that that is in fact not a problem. Um, however, um, and did you did you mention that CentOS eight does not contain Docker? I think you mentioned that. Didn't I did you? mention that. Or you or you were going to lead up to that, right? So anyone, why doesn't CentOS eight contain Docker? Anyone who doesn't know the sort of source of CentOS is that it is what's called a like a downstream port of uh, RHEL, right? So Fedora is the upstream of RHEL. Fedora gets snapshotted and packaged into RHEL every so often, and that's when a new release of RHEL comes out. And then there, then then Red Hat releases the source of RHEL back out to the community, and anyone who wants to make an Which, enterprise Linux—that's how we are, man—can repackage RHEL and make their own enterprise Linux. I don't know how many still like exist. Amazon, like, like Oracle, like Amazon, like Oracle. Uh, there were a bunch of free ones at one point. There was like White Box Linux. There was CentOS. There was um, there was a, oh Scientific Linux. And there might have been a few others, but a lot of them have died off, including Scientific Linux, unfortunately. That was one of the biggest mm. outside of I CentOS. Remember, they were big at Merck. We had a bunch of people using Scientific Linux at Merck. In I my, wonder why. Right. So in my... Well, because it was optimized for research stuff. In my brief stint as a HPC admin, Scientific Linux was just all over that community. And then... Right. Then it just... It, yeah. Because high-performance computing, that's that's one of the big use cases. Yep, yep. Science stuff. Science! So when, uh, when RHEL 8 came out, for whatever reason, Scientific Linux just said, we don't have enough changes yeah. from upstream to, to, to continue doing this. So if you're a Scientific Linux user, just go use CentOS because it's good enough. It has just everything you need. Just go use it. So anyway, that's where CentOS comes from. So of course, when Red Hat makes a change in the release of RHEL, that change comes into CentOS, whether CentOS likes it or not. I guess if they don't like it, they can change it. But generally, yeah. CentOS is meant to be uh, pretty much a clone of RHEL 8, or, or right. RHEL, period, right? So, And for and for those of you who, follow, who don't follow industry gossip, uh, we actually, we being Red Hat, I didn't because I can't afford it. Uh, Red Hat actually bought CentOS, the organization, some years back, mm -hmm. and and we actually helped them to develop. So so we essentially, this is how crazy the company is that I work for, but <laughs> we actually help the free version competing, yeah, air quote, against our enterprise product, our premier crown jewel. We help them to make that better. Yeah. Because the idea is that people will use CentOS and they'll be like, hey, this is pretty cool. And then they'll decide they want enterprise support, and right. it's super easy to lift and shift the app over. This to would RHEL. be this would be even cooler if I could call for help. Maybe I'll switch yeah. to this real help. Thing. Yeah, help. So, uh, so yeah, I mean that's that's basically the model, right? Um, so of course, when Rel Eight ditched Docker and went to Podman, uh, CentOS ditched Docker and went to Podman. Now I don't what? know all the backstory as to why we why yeah. we ditched Docker. If it was just why because of the things that I've already highlighted, or if there was Docker. some other thing uh, at play there, I get the feeling that there was. I don't I don't want to turn this into a Podman versus Docker uh, show. I just want to basically talk about how I'm how I got the move done. So one of the things that I do. 
uh, with my system running Podman, or when it was running Docker, I should say, is most of my applications are WordPress. WordPress is basically a LAMP stack. So it's got a web server with PHP running on Linux. All those things are very easy to do in a container, but it also has a database backend. Uh, so that requires a second container. You have one running the web piece and one running the, the database piece. Anyone who's ever designed a web application understands how this works. So what I was doing on Docker is I used this tool called Docker Compose, which let you define a service in a, a YAML file. And then you could treat that whole service, you know, with its several supporting containers as one, right? So I wanted that same feature in Podman. And uh, there isn't, or at least not currently, a direct port from Docker Compose into Podman. Now, you look like maybe you've found information as to why. Uh, well, I found a Slashdot article. So I hesitate to sometimes call those information. <laughs> And I was getting distracted. I could feel myself slipping into surf the web rather than pay attention to Nate mode. There, there was a, It was about a lot of conjecture about how there was some conspiracy because IBM demanded that we switch over to Podman. But I don't think that hand, was it. Hand to heart, Dan Walsh was talking about Podman long before the IBM deal yeah. was even. And I want to say, I want to say the announcement of getting rid of Docker was was made before the IBM deal. Red Hat's been very public about moving away from Docker for a while. Yeah. The justification I've heard, and I don't think I'm violating anything I'm, by saying this, is essentially that Docker has just not... There were two two issues, one and two. And Dan has talked about both of these in public places. Uh, first of all, Docker just wasn't being very well maintained, right? It was it was not moving as fast as, as people would have liked. And the other thing is something you already touched upon, Docker was looked upon as a big fat security liability. Right. You know, a very large attack surface not being maintained as much as it could be. So the idea of, of doing Podman, making making well-behaved apps that don't require root if you run them properly, and you don't have the you don't have the Apache effect where like Apache can elevate to root at right. times. Right. You can kind of end run around security that way. And there's, there was also, even within the Docker community itself, uh, there was this fracturing between what they called Big D Docker and Little D Docker, which was Docker the company and Docker like the, right, and Docker the open source, you know, released community application, right? Yeah. So Docker, Big D, of course, wanted to sell you things. And then, of course, Little D Docker was a free thing. Now, obviously, you could say the same thing about Red Hat, but... So I want to raise my Jim Beam devil's cut to Docker in, in what I'm almost going to call memory because <laughs> Docker, I mean, I remember before I came to Red Hat, Docker was like, I came to Red Hat in 2015. So a couple of years prior to that, Docker was all over the place. They were like this big deal. Mm -hmm. they, were the, they were the next magical tech unicorn. Yep. yep. And they are basically, I'm not going to call them a failure right now, but they're basically, for all intents and purposes, a dead company. I mean, I think it all comes down to perspective. I haven't looked too closely into how Docker themselves are doing at the moment, uh, but I know they're still, the software is still in use all over the place. 
the software is still in use. That's that's correct. But Docker, the company, if you hitched your wagon to Docker, I think you started to regret <laughs> you're, that you're decision regretting that a little now. while ago, right? <laughs> and and but what I I always look at the Docker story or other companies like Docker to be like, man, if you're not careful and you get arrogant and full of yourself, you can fall real quickly. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know. So uh, back on point. <laughs> <laughs> that was all very useful oh, information. We're we're doing that. We're, yeah. we're going to go back on point. Okay. Yeah, we're going to actually. And talk you were about worried that we'd have anything to talk about. Tonight. Yeah, I wasn't all that worried to be honest. <laughs> we can always fill up an hour of just BS, so you know it's That's fine. BS. This is good stuff. This is totally. Prime. It's great stuff. All right. So uh, where was I? Oh, I was talking about Docker Compose. So there is a project called Podman Compose, which is supposed to be the same basic functionality of Docker Compose, except with Podman in the background. Um, Oh, another thing I should mention is that Podman, like I said, the containers are compatible with each other between Docker and Podman. But beyond that, Podman has this like compatibility layer where you can um, what's what I'm looking for? You can you can inter interpose all of the commands, the the Docker command line commands into Podman. So you would think. Right. Like, oh, I can just take Pod or Docker Compose and put Podman behind it. That doesn't seem to be the case. It's it's just not. It doesn't work that way. No. Uh, so, like I said, not. there there is a Podman Compose project. Uh, I looked at it briefly. It doesn't seem to be mature enough for my needs yet. Like, I can't so, just take a Docker Compose file and translate it to Podman Compose and go. There's features that aren't there yet. So I read a bit of your blog. Okay. Around this. Would it be a fair assumption to say that Docker Compose is sort of like, I don't quite want to deal with Kubernetes, but I want to run multiple containers together? Yeah, so it'll it'll take, Docker Compose will take containers and kind of group them. Um, Docker has, they can have, you can have like Docker specific networking, and then you can attach containers to that network. Right. Mm -hmm. So then behind the scenes, like your web app container can talk across this private network back to your your like uh, database Shift. container. Right. Well, I mean, it's exactly like OpenShift. without OpenShift. OpenShift is using that same technology, I'm sure, but yeah. under the covers. To There's make a lot more happen. bells and the whistles. Yeah. Right. The extra thing it's doing there is it's got Kubernetes in there, which makes that work across several servers. Okay. Right, where this is all isolated to one machine. Now, I may eventually move to something that's a little more Kubernetes-ish. Right, it may even be Kubernetes. I don't know yet. Um, but and this kind of sets me up for it, and we'll talk about that as we're going through. But um, and then if say you have three apps that are like that, they all have a separate private network, right? So this website can only get the its database, and this one can only get the its database, and so on and so forth. Or you know, if you have any other sort of you know, maybe you've got a I don't know, uh, a proxy in front of it. And then you've got the web application and then you've got like like a messaging queue and, and a database. Like you can put them all into their own little network so they can't cross-contaminate each other. If somebody breaks mm -hmm. one of your web applications, they can't compromise all of them, right? Which is one of the things that would happen if I had hosted them the way I used to do it, which is just a bunch of Apache virtual hosts and a, a shared damage, database yeah. backend, right? Yeah. So you know that's a thing where you can easily move from one application to another, right? So, all right. Um, 
So that's basically the big attraction to Docker Compose. Now you can do all that without Docker Compose. Docker Compose just makes it easy. You can define it all in a file, and then if you want to say restart or stop or update your web application, you issue some Docker Compose commands that will stop the thing, pull in new containers, and then start it back up again, right? Which is cool. So that's what I wanted on, on Podman. And I couldn't find, um, I couldn't find a, a direct solution. Uh, until I finally did. So until until right. So obviously I solved this. Otherwise I wouldn't be talking about it right now. Um, so like I said, Podman Compose might be a thing <laughs> in the future. At the moment, it it didn't look mature enough to me. Um, I'm so, not saying you should ignore it. I'm just saying that right now it didn't look mature enough to me to do what I needed. Would we be total jerks if one iron sysadmin we just laid out a <laughs> yeah, problem? Yeah, just like and then like oh, I by had the this way, crazy problem, and then we talk about it, talk about it, and like we never solved it. Bye. We never solved it. Let's move. <laughs> let's on to the news. Like, would we be just total bunch of jerks if we did that? <laughs> we should try. It now someday. I want to. Now people are going to expect it every time we have a technical yeah. topic. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Indeed, nobody, nobody. Get the comfy chair. All right, so. Um, what I did after a couple hours of research and searching around the web is I found a document, I think it was actually from Dan Walsh at Red Hat, posted on Red Hat stuff, so I don't know why I didn't find this sooner, but, but um, probably because we have a bunch of stuff all over the place, right? <laughs> but it was talking about this feature of Podman called Pods. Imagine that, right? Pods. So Kubernetes um, has pods, if, if you're familiar with Kubernetes. And a pod is a yeah, way of well, grouping. Yeah, pods are like, pods are the, are N plus, or one plus N containers equals a pod. So right. it's one, one to infinity number of containers. Although I think it's actually, in OpenShift 3, it was 255 maybe? Right, yeah, I don't know. right. But uh, they're also a way of grouping containers, which is exactly yeah. what I'm doing with Docker Compose. So what I did is I did a little more reading about pods and how to create a pod and how networking works. And it's actually really cool. So when you make a pod, it almost treats the pod. There's, there's a special container that runs in the pod called an infrastructure container. And that mm -hmm. routes all of your networking, right? So in the Docker days, what I would have to do, say I had two, um, two containers within the same Docker Compose file, and they mm -hmm. each had to expose ports, right? I'd have right. to expose them separately within the pods or within, not the, within the pods, within the containers my, when I define My inner 12-year-old is cracking up right now because you said expose, but expose. I've also had some whiskey. The um, Bourbon specifically because it was brewed in Tennessee. The way, right. The way Podman does it is you make a pod and Distilled. you- Distilled, you, sorry. You, 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 define, <laughs> you define the ports you need to expose in the, the pod definition. Right, uh -huh. and then when you put um, when you put containers within the pod, it treats them all as one address space. It's not just one network; it's literally one address space. Right. So, if I map port thirty three oh six into it, which is the MySQL port, and then I start up a MySQL container, it knows to send the data to the MySQL container. If I open port eighty, it knows when I start up a web container that has port eighty open to send it to that one. I don't know that I can explain to you exactly how it figures all that out. I imagine it has to do with the way the image is defined because you can say expose port X, expose port Y. Well, and there is a file in Linux that is actually used as a reference for the different ports for common sure. applications. Sure, but so I mean, how does, it, from that. how does it know that when I've spun up a MySQL pod that 
or not pod, a MySQL container within a pod, that 3306 mm-hmm. should go there. And what happens if I spin up two MySQL containers in there? That I don't know. I, have I don't to go, freaking know. Right. I have to go a little deeper and figure that out. But at the moment, yeah, I'm, not that, that? I'm not that worried about it. You should because, totally do that. Because what I have works, and that's good enough for me. Yeah. Uh, so um, pods looked like the answer, but it still didn't give me the piece that I really wanted, which was this infrastructure file, essentially, right? With Docker Compose, I have a YAML file. It defines the entire service. I can treat the whole thing as one. I can stop it and start it and do all kinds of things. I can stop and start pods like that, but I don't have it in this file. So that means that if I want to move it to a new host or something, I need to redefine all these pods and everything. So you want something you can shove on Git and then just download right. to make that's, it go. That's a you want your case. infrastructure as infrastructure code. Infrastructure as code, right. So... Um, Yes, trooper-ish. The infrastructure container identifies the port needed and goes ahead and grabs, reserves, promotes it. Yes, I believe that you have described that properly. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, when, So, you're right. I want infrastructure as code. I want to be able to make this stuff portable. So, say, when I'm moving to CentOS 9... Or if I want to build another web host, you know, a web server, or if I want to move to a different service provider or whatever, I can mm-hmm. just take all this stuff, take the data, take the definitions, move it somewhere else, and run it in Podman. So what I found was there's this command to Podman called play. Podman play. It's a subcommand. Uh, and what it does is it'll take various types of infrastructure definitions and pull them into Podman. Mm-hmm. One of them that it'll take is Kubernetes. So you Kubernetes Ooh. lets you define pods. Yes. Podman Kubernetes lets you, definitions can actually get crazy. Right. So the downside to all this is it's a very specific subset of the Kubernetes definition that can be pulled in. So well, yeah, because otherwise you need to run Kubernetes. Right. And I, and I don't know a whole lot about Kubernetes, right? So it wasn't an easy thing for me to just write these files. And I couldn't find a quick example online that did exactly what I needed. So I figured out there's another cool feature. And this I saw in a presentation, I think, at the for the accelerators once, way back, when uh, somebody was on talking about Podman. It might have been Dan Walsh, for all I know. In New York, maybe? When Dan mm-hmm. was in New York? No, I was watching this... In one of the presentations before oh, I had okay. joined Red Hat. This Digitally, might have been, okay. Yeah, these were like last September, October, something like that, just before mm-hmm. I left the college. Anyway, uh, you can take an existing running Kubernetes config mm-hmm. and export it to YAML. Yeah. Not only yeah. can you export it to YAML, you can export it to Kubernetes config for YAML. So it's called Podman Generate is the name of the uh, that subcommand. That's pretty spicy. So what I did was, because I knew how to run these things on Docker, I just took the Docker command line that would have spun up a WordPress container and a database to go with it and linked them in a network. And I made a pod on Podman. I built those two containers within it. And then I just just exported it using the Podman generate command. And it gave me kind of a messy YAML file, which I had to clean up a bit. There were a bunch of things that I didn't need in it. And I, sure. that I ripped out and uh, and cleaned up a bit. Um, some of the, the file mappings, because there's like these volume mappings that I use to keep the persistent data to bring that back into the pod or bring that back mm-hmm. into the container. I keep confusing my terms here. Bring it back into the container that uh, I had to clean up because it wasn't doing the SE Linux mappings. And, you know, there's just like all kinds of... I talk about it in a blog post that I wrote, which is linked in the show notes. 
Uh, and then once I had the file, I just nuked it all and I used the file to regenerate it. And I looked at it and saw, you know, problem X, problem Y, fixed them in the file, nuked it and regenerated it. And I kept going until I could regenerate it using just the file. Right? Nice. So now I have all my applications written in YAML files, like I did with Docker Compose. And I can nuke them and recreate them using the YAML file, just like I could in Docker Compose. I can stop and start pods the same way I could with Docker Compose. And I think I've solved all of the checks that I wanted to check, all the boxes I wanted to check. So that's kind of it. That's what I did. Now, you were talking about privileged ports before and if that was why I had to run these as root. And that is not why I had to run them as root. It actually came down to a file system thing, I think. What I do mm. is the host, the Podman host, runs yes. runs Nginx, and Nginx proxies into the pods or into the containers. I guess in this case, it is proxying into the pods because that also does my Let's Encrypt stuff. Now, I know there's ways that you can have Let's Encrypt pass right into the containers. Uh, I didn't want to fiddle with that just yet. That may be in a future thing because you can do things like load balancers and whatnot, especially within Kubernetes. So if I move to Kubernetes, I'm probably going to have to ditch uh, the Nginx piece that I have now. There's probably better ways to do that. And someone's probably yelling at the podcast right now like, you idiot, why are you using that? Why aren't you doing it the other way? So, uh, yeah. Just cause. Just cause. Just cause. So, at any rate, um, I think we can just have some discussion around this at this point because that's essentially how I did it. Um, and folks, if you're on the stream, I think... Maybe there's a bandwidth issue at the moment, so I'm sorry if it's getting choppy, but there will be an audio recording later that you can listen to. <laughs> you, the YouTube was spinning. I don't know if the Twitch is being hissy. Yeah, I don't know if it's a... Uh... Oh, no, it's doing it on both. Uh, well, well, the funny thing is the, the Zoom session is still working just fine, so apparently there's enough bandwidth on my end. I don't know what the hell's going on. So sorry, folks, if the streams are getting twitchy on Twitch, but Got it. Got <laughs> on it. Twitch and on, on Twitch. YouTube. Ah. So hopefully that'll recover. But anyway, that's that's about it. Um, like I said, there's a link in not that I'm trying to pimp my blog, but I did write this all up. So if that was too much, if that was too quick, right, too, uh, too rambly and, and fast for you to write down notes, they're all in this in this post that uh, that I put up on my blog. So, yeah. I don't think you're pimping your blog. I think you've you've followed yeah. you found a procedure that right. you can share with other people. It's the right. very open source way. You got to learn to pimp stuff better too. We've talked I, about. That. I don't like to be that guy that's advertising all of his stuff. Although I do have a lot of stuff that might be worth advertising. I got a right. bridge. You want to buy? You want to buy it? As long as you're not pimping essential oils, <laughs> you know, we're good. We're good. Uh, no, but, but the, but I got this friend, right? He told me that if I tell 10 other people about this thing he's selling, that I'm going to get a discount and then I'm going to have like three people underneath me. Yeah. Your friend is a terrible person. <laughs> so let's not even go there. Oh, oh, ah, uh. is your friend named Karen? <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty cool. So the stream looks like it recovered. I get this nice little green box at the bottom of OBS that tells me when it, when it drops and when it's back, it seems to be back. Cool. So sorry, folks, if there was a drop there, but should be good now. So, yeah, Podman. I mean, folks, if you got any questions about Podman, I can try to get you answers. If there's anything in the uh, uh, anything you want to ask me right now live on, on stream, I can see what uh, what I can do to answer. But that's essentially how it worked out. And I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Um, the only downside, remember I said that 
Docker used a daemon to bring up your pods. Podman doesn't have any of that. So the piece I haven't done yet, which is going to bite me as soon as something happens that reboots my pod or my, my digital ocean droplet, uh, is that I have to define systemd unit files to start up the pods. So yeah, that's so a piece I need to do yet. It's not that hard to do. I just haven't no, done it. No, <laughs> unit, unit files are, are super simple. Actually. Oh, yeah, they're dirt simple compared to the old init script style. Uh, yeah, I love unit files. I, I realize I'm, I'm an older, crankier sysadmin, so I'm supposed to hate systemd, but I'm actually a huge fan. Yeah, right. Cool. Well, I'm just a terrible bash programmer, which is probably part of it. I would look at bash scripts and it'd be like, I just don't friggin' understand what's going on here. So, so, so unit files and the way system D does stuff, I, I like much better. Yeah, they are, they're simpler. They're easier to write. You don't have to, you don't have to catch things like you did with the old init files. Cause they're, no, they're no. caught automatically by system D. It's, it's pretty cool. I like how it simplified stuff, even though system D is so much more complicated and it breaks the units. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, so whatever. yeah. Podman, it's pretty cool. Stuff. I shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to manage my own damn PID files or figure out what children I need to kill. Yeah, you know? yeah, that does sound grim, doesn't it? It's a system D unit file. Totally not to damn it. It's not the tumor. Technically, what you could, end, what you probably are ending up doing is defining it as a service. That's the right. proper terminology. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to define it as a system D service file. <laughs> yeah, well, it'll run as a service. Right, right, right. And that essentially, you know, just runs a command. So I'd imagine it's going to run like podman pod well, up and then the name of the pod. <laughs> right. It runs whatever commands you want, but it also it, it, it also changes where it lands in the in the hierarchy, like uh, the, the, the main system C groups. It'll be under the uh, it'll be under the uh, the system uh, slice as opposed to the user slice. Right. Cool. <laughs> talking about talking about Mr. Jim C groups here. Maybe maybe some night we're gonna have to have you talk about C groups. Can you do that in an audio form, or do you need a? Uh, mm, probably. Need I probably can. No, I can probably. I can. I can audio my way through it. I think C groups performance, whatever. Yeah, it, if it, it wouldn't bore the piss out of people, I mean, yeah, I don't. So well, well, I guess we'll put it to the listeners, folks. If you're listening to this and you're curious about what C groups are. And uh, if uh, if you want to care about them, <laughs> or if you should care about them, uh, right. we can uh, we can talk about them some night on the on the show. Uh, Mark, it sounds here. like your wife does not care about them because I'm no. hearing yelling. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think she right. does. <laughs> so we can talk about uh, we can talk about C groups at some point. Uh, it, it happens that Mark here has written a number of series on on C groups and what they do and how they work and how to tune them. Part so, eight is uh, slated for publication. Part eight. I didn't realize you were up to eight already. I, I am. When it was like three or four parts. Yeah. <laughs> when you first showed it to me. Six parts for classic C groups under RHEL 7. And the, the second part for RHEL 8 is now uh, going to be published shortly. Right. They needed to, they needed to fix a, an mm -hmm. SE Linux bug with CPU sets before I could finish that the, the last one I wrote. So C groups do apply to containers, right? I mean, this Absolutely is do. yeah, that's what I thought. I don't know C groups as well as I should. Maybe I should go read your blogs. You you could. They're basically they're a way to basically uh, provide good control over system resources. Classically on on Linux, 
uh, and probably most Unixes, we've had tools to manage uh, system resources that are really friggin' old and creaky. And most of them are oriented around like user limits and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, but C groups and C groups kind of, they're based on technologies that did appear in other enterprise, you know, big iron operating systems, but they became part of the kernel back around the time RHEL 6 was being launched. They actually right. are part of the mainline Linux kernel for quite a long time. Uh, and they allow absolute control over processor cycles, memory uh, allocation, uh, storage bandwidth, network bandwidth, again, at a kernel level so that you can you can constrain processes and whatnot to, to not violate outside of a certain resource use, which can be really super handy when you're trying to run a shared environment such as containers containers right yeah because we kind of did this thing we've done this thing in computers where everything was like multi-user right there's bunches of people on one box because the one box is pretty friggin' expensive right and then as we got into the aughts you know the late 90s early aughts and people started virtualizing right it wasn't such a big deal oh one vm one application who cares um you didn't care at the system level anyway right maybe you cared at the hypervisor level right but nowadays with with uh with microservices with containers and stuff c groups you're, you're now dealing with all sorts of things basically on one single piece of hardware again yep and so c groups are you're using them whether you realize it or not and some of them, some piece of it are actually exposed. If you've ever used Kubernetes or OpenShift, uh, you you actually have right in the UI the ability to set uh, processor quotas. That's using the CPU share feature, their CPU cool. quota feature. Yeah, they're cool. It, I I like them. They're they're very nerdy. Yeah, I and mean, you really, it's, it's you definitely really your hands dirty. It's it's definitely a thing, right? So system performance and whatnot, whether you're talking about containers or anything else, right? Oh, if you performance can, is oh if you can I mean hard, hard topic. Yeah, absolutely. As a as a sysadmin, I I can't tell you the number of times where I'd be like trying to 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 tune a process or trying to to figure out why a thing is eating up my entire system and whatever. So yeah, I think maybe maybe a chat about tuning with uh with c groups might not be a bad thing so we'll talk about that and if anybody's interested yeah. let us know and if you're not interested we might do it anyway so <laughs> yeah because you know and and i you know i'm kind of hard to control anyway so. yeah right you might just start okay. talking about that we anyway. sort of have talked about it already right now yeah yeah we'll go we'll go more in depth all right. All right. And with that, I think that's everything i had about podman i feel like i ran through that pretty quick but it has already been uh 45, 45 minutes. minutes. So. I thought that was pretty cool. And and I uh, when I'm honest with you, I don't I don't find containers to be a big part of my day-to-day -day life as a platform focused uh TAM. Right. Um that tends to be more in in like the folk who are dealing with OpenShift and whatnot, although there's some usage of it. So I always I'm always curious to learn more about it myself yeah i mean containers are a thing that have kind of fascinated me uh for quite a while like they were they were a neat thing uh way back what was it 2013 i think i went to summit mm, and yeah. that that was the year that red hat started talking about both open shift this is like open shift version two i think at the time 
which was a box of razors. And um, opens, that was pre Kubernetes, if I remember. That, that was pre Docker. Like oh, they okay. hadn't even incorporated Docker yet. Uh, but it was way back, right, when, when um, you know, OpenShift 2 and it was uh, OpenStack came out around the same time. And me, it was actually me and, and John Fulton that I mentioned earlier in the show were there because we were working together at the, at, at the time at the college. And we both came back interested in one of each, right? I was really interested in OpenShift because I thought it was going to be a really, it was going to be a game changer for some of our web platforms. And he was really interested in OpenStack because it would be a game changer for our virtualization platforms. And I kind of like both. Right. Um, but uh, I, so I've been really curious about containers ever since. And then very shortly after that is when Docker hit the scene. In fact, Docker may have already hit the scene at that point, and, but they weren't part of OpenShift. So I wasn't all that interested. Um, yeah. But then I was. And the, the Derby projects that I have, and I'm sorry, my dogs are going insane. There's no way I can <laughs> limit that out. Um, the, the DerbyCon projects, the Hack My Derby projects that I had, uh, they all ran Docker on little Raspberry Pis inside of a hat, right? So you can say I've I've had a bit of experience with containers, just not the bigger orchestration platforms and whatnot. So yeah, yeah. So at any rate, any rate, cool stuff, cool stuff, good stuff. Uh, Trooper Ish says all content is good content. So I guess that's that's one vote for C groups. That, feel, that feels like a challenge to me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think we can make Trooper regret that. You. Um, we can absolutely make you regret that. All right. Is it time to hit the button? I think it's time to hit the button. We're going to go to a short break. Uh, Mark might go get some more bourbon. I don't know. That's not a good idea. That's probably not a good idea, but That's I'm I'm definitely going to switch from the water I've been drinking over to my first beer for the night. Only beer for the night, unfortunately. So I might grab some water myself. So, yeah, we can trade. I'll go to the alcohol. You go to the water. I think so. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll be back in a few, folks. Back up here. Yep. Wham! We're back. Bam! <laughs> like Emerald. All right, folks. We are uh, freshly drinkified. Mark had a fruit cup. Nah. I did have a fruit cup, and I've transitioned to water. <laughs> Is that water green? It's got a lime in it from oh, Misfit yeah. Markets. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I like to flavor my waters. So good old Misfit Markets. I, I have to ask. So Misfit Markets, their thing, right, is that they take produce that wasn't sold or whatever. Right. And the, in the ads, they show all these like horribly mutated uh, things, right? Like that, something just, you'd find in a Fallout game. Yeah. Right, right. So is that really what you get or are you? is that just so, to draw people's so, attention on social media? So if you're ordering Misfits Market because you want to make a vegetable-themed horror movie, you're probably going to be a little disappointed. Right. There there are sometimes pieces that are, like, weirdly shaped or weirdly sized or stuff like that. But And they'll, say, they'll tell you this on their website, but they also buy stuff that, like, maybe the, 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 the retailer bought or the, the, the farmer produced too much of it. Yeah, and it would it would just go to waste because it wasn't bought up, or there's stuff that is too it's not ripe yet, or maybe it's a little later in its ripening journey, and right. it would take too long to get to the supermarket, so it ends up in your box. I have had a piece or two that has been overripe to the point where it's like, yeah, you're going in the garbage, right? But, um, 
I have had the weirdest pieces I've seen. There's been a couple of potatoes that I'm like, wow, you're funky looking. Um, and the occasional, uh, some of the apples have like uh, some weird color palettes or maybe a worm got to one of them. Hmm. But the quality, I'm going to say, the quality and freshness has been overall really excellent. Um, they added this feature and I kind of almost... I kind of almost feel a little bad taking advantage of it where you can customize your box and you can say, I want this, this, they give you different categories and you pick. I was doing that during the break because you get the email on Thursday. Prior to that, random was random. You got what they sent you. And it was yeah. almost like a surprise. I'm the guy who likes surprise presents at Christmas. for instance. And if you don't, if you don't customize, then it's totally random. So maybe I'll, I'm probably going to rando it at some point uh, within the next couple of weeks, just for fun. Yeah, but so there's there's a lot of fruits and vegetables, vegetables, especially that I would not normally eat that I do now, like certain types of squash and things like that. But let me be clear. I still don't like zucchini. I've tried. Don't like it. <laughs> I don't blame you. Nor am I a fan of eggplant. So eggplant and zucchini, I won't intentionally order, but pretty much everything else, like kale. I actually like kale. Can you believe that crap, Spock? And I actually made kale chips once in the air fryer. It was interesting. That is totally my one strange. My one daughter, Maggie, who, who, uh, she's actually all grown up on me now, right? She's 23. She's got her master's in social work. She's got a great job now uh, doing hospice, which I could never do. Oof. But she's a vegan, and so I go to her for advice. Like when they sent back when you got what you got, I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, yeah, what, what do I, I do, I do I with this? <laughs> right. And you can't it's, you can't always hold up a piece of fruit or vegetable to your phone and say, hey, Siri, what's this? What's yeah, this vegetable? what is this thing they sent? It me? doesn't know. You know? <laughs> but so Maggie was Maggie was my Siri for that stuff. Uh, well, good. Good. So anyone who's watching the streams, if you can hear us, it looks like that same little bandwidth glitch is happening again. I just I just see the the KB per second drop in in uh, in OBS here. I don't know why, but uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a cable thing. Who knows? So do we know it's recording? OK, because I hear oh, absolutely. you. Absolutely. I hear you fine. That means it's getting to the recorder fine. So that's the weird thing, right? The Zoom session is flawless. I don't see any glitching. Yeah. I don't see anything. I don't see any problems there. It's just for whatever reason, the stream, I don't know if it's a restream problem. I don't know. Maybe. Or too many, too many kids are playing Fortnite and streaming. That's totally you know. it. Is that so. even a thing? I guess it's probably still a thing. Fortnite. <laughs> all right. You get so. all, you get all mad if I accuse that of being your favorite game. So I, I won't I've probably played 10 minutes of Fortnite my entire life. <laughs> and that was because my kid wanted to play it and I had to figure out how to get into the game for it. Yeah. So at any rate, I guess we'll move along into the announcements. Hopefully you guys can hear, mm. I don't know, any of this stuff. Um, I don't have much in the announcements, way of announcements. Yeah. I don't have much in the way of the announcements except for the usual Patreon update. Uh, we've got uh, 16, I think, supporters, which I think is the same number as last time around. Uh, we got David, Solemn, Irwin, Trooper Ish, Linux Sys 666, Gimpy B, Ryan, Mark with a K, Dementor from PowerShell on Linux, John, uh, Mark with a C, Julius, Andy, J, Charles, and 22532. Still our longest running patron. 
Hey, you two. How you doing tonight? There's a there's a competition going now. If any of you can beat him, although that's kind of impossible, because unless he stops, don't stop. <laughs> so anyway, uh, those are our patrons. Uh, thank you to all of you for uh, any amount that you want to give to the show, because it is very, very helpful. We like it. We're uh, almost, I think, halfway to that mixer I want to buy that includes all the fanciness and the, the soundboard and stuff. Um, maybe I'll uh, also invest the, in faster internet service so that the stream the pants are fancy. Yeah, yeah, the pants indeed are fancy. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we're about halfway there. Another couple of months, we should be able to actually buy that thing, and then that'll be cool. Nice, nice little ornament for my desk. I mean, it'll help the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't find any reviews this time around. Nothing on the iTunes or anywhere else that I know of that you can find um, reviews because some of them let you review and some of them don't. Mm-hmm. So uh, leave us reviews, folks. I mean, the the chat interaction on the live show is great. Um, but if you leave comments on the the streams after the fact, or if you review on iTunes or whatever, that that I mean, I hate to sound like that guy, but it does help us get noticed by people who might be interested in the show because the algorithms on these platforms uh, they look for things that people are interested in, right? People that have things that people have rated well, things that people are watching, things that people are are liking right so the more you do that the more it helps the show without costing you a dime so you should you should go do that go find us on all the platforms and rate us and comment and whatever i think we would get some spectacular reviews if we published a live journal i I really think that's our move that's the move for 2021 live journal or bust hey it looks like josh joined us hi josh (laughs) i hear you're uh you're prepping for something important and uh, I don't know. It looks like the stream's dropping again, so you probably can't hear us. But um, hi. <laughs> All right. So what do we got chat-wise? Oh, I went to, and logged into, into Teespring just sort of... I don't even remember why. I think I was just logging in to check on things. And so Teespring is where we sell our shirts and stickers. And I noticed that somebody bought a shirt and a sticker. We have shirts and stickers? We have shirts and stickers, Mark. Did you know we have shirts and stickers? Apparently you didn't. I feel like I should know that. Maybe I knew. I don't think I ever maybe told you that. Maybe at one point I did. And uh, to be honest, we don't push it on the show like we probably should. No, because you don't push anything. Well, no, we did at first, but nobody was really buying. So it just sort of fell off the radar, right? So hmm. uh, we have a Teespring shop. I think it's teespring.com slash ironsysadmin. He thinks. I think. I'm going to have to look up the URL and add it back to the show notes. For some reason, it's not even there anymore. <laughs> Gee, well, I wonder why no one's buying. It's our more. Stuff. It's actually a friggin' miracle that somebody bought a T-shirt and a it, sticker. It kind of is. It kind of is. Uh, so, at any rate, you can buy T-shirts and stickers. <laughs> I love this guy. Let me tell you. So, uh, if uh, if you're the person that bought a T-shirt and a sticker, I'd love to hear from you. So, go ahead and let us know because thank you, thank you for buying a T-shirt and a sticker. Uh, it was probably Jason, to be honest. He probably went and bought one because you know. <laughs> Yeah, Josh sounds like he's bowing out. Yeah, so. he just it's, popped it's in to say hi. Yeah, well, because the uh, the stream isn't working for him. Yeah, I, I would be irritated as anything if I were trying to. I am in. I am indeed. Right I am indeed irritated. Well, folks. Well, this is what you get when you test in production. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a restream thing or what. I don't know. It's definitely mm. it's 
definitely we'll show, spotty. We'll have to have a show on it. Interesting. So, well, anyway, you'll be able to hear the show uh, after the fact um, via the audio download. I know that's so much extra work, and you don't get to see our faces. Sorry about that. <laughs> I wonder if it'll be okay on YouTube after the fact. I don't think it will. Because uh. they, they basically record what gets there through the stream. So, uh. huh. if I had recorded locally and then uploaded it later, it would have been. But Yeah, but then it's not live. Right. Well, I can record locally while going while streaming live, but that's one more thing for me to keep track of and one more research resource to run out of on my laptop. Mm, so I don't yeah. I don't do that. <laughs> I I know that we're I mean, I kind of get a kick out of the live interaction stuff, but I from what I can tell our primary audience listens to this in the form of a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And I love doing the live show because it's fun. So we'll give this another yeah. try maybe next time around. And if it's still a problem, I'm definitely going to have to look into it. I'm I'm betting that there's just something weird going on tonight. And that's why it's not. Uh, that's why we get we're getting these weird drops because it seems to go up to like a good level of bandwidth and then immediately drop and then up and then drop. I don't I don't know. I think it's a yeah. restream thing. Anyway, back to the. I can't. I can't watch the YouTube anymore. It's making me nuts. Okay, then then don't watch it, man. No, I'm not. I moved my window on top of it. See that? Perfect. Perfect. So anyway, I have a couple cool things going on. Um, first of all, uh, just by chance, YouTube suggested this DJ to me, and uh, anybody who's interested in like electro music or like live DJ sets, she is great. Uh, her name's Miss Monique. And I, I want to say she's out of Russia, although I've never heard her speak. So because it's just her music that she plays, but she records herself live. And if you've ever seen a live DJ do what they do, um, it's like they've got this this vast ocean of knobs and buttons in front of them and they make music with it. And it's it's crazy. It's crazy to watch. I think it's crazy to watch uh, because they mm -hmm. can just make music with this this thing. There's two things that look kind of like turntables, but they're not really turntables because they just kind of like nudge them here and there and they make different i can't even tell what noises they make but they know obviously <laughs> but it's really cool it's cool to watch and uh if you're into electronic music or you know live dj music check it out there's a link to her channel in the uh, in the notes from the show uh the other thing i wanted to talk about tonight is i was in a, a sort of editorial meeting for the enable sysadmin group at red hat uh, which I've been part of for quite a while. Uh, just, you know, I've been contributing to Enable Sysadmin for quite a while. I have mm -hmm. so many articles published that I'm in like this special group of people that helps sort of, I don't want to say guided or directed because that's, there's a group of people at Red Hat that are paid to do that specifically, but they, they, you know, keep us all on track and whatever. And they're looking for more authors. So um, I asked, you know, like what level of author you're looking for? And they, they basically said, anyone who wants to write, have them submit articles. And, you know, that's why we're here. We're here to help curate them and help edit them and help produce, like, authors out of this stuff. So in the show notes, there's a link to where you can go and join the Enable Sysadmin community. Uh, once you've submitted your, your application, someone should get back to you, uh, and then you can start writing articles for Enable Sysadmin, which, uh, which I think has been fun. Um, it's, they, they'll... 
they'll prompt you for things that maybe you want to write about or maybe you don't, or you can come up with your own topic so you don't have to come in as like this fully fledged, like hardcore blogger that already has a whole bunch of content ready to go. You join the community with a willingness to write. They'll give you ideas on what to write about. You pick a thing and write about it. And then you submit an article and then it gets posted by Red Hat, right? So you get to associate your name with something published by Red Hat, which is just kind of cool. So uh, that's in there. It's redhat.com slash sysadmin is, the, is where you can read enable sysadmin. But if you go to slash sysadmin slash join dash community, which like I said, is in the show notes, uh, you can actually submit yourself as a, you know, you want to be a member of the community. So That's right. That's where you join if you want to write like you're running out of time, just like Alexander Hamilton. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you and your Alexander Hamilton. How do you write like you're running out of time? My gosh. So. Closing song in act one, man. <laughs> that's my that's my go-to jam when I need to get myself pumped up. Non-stop. <laughs> my God. All right. So that's the name of the song. Non, non-stop. 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 Okay, yeah. non-stop. It's awesome. So the last thing I want to chat about, and then we'll get on to, um, you know, Mark and his devil something or other. Um, <laughs> the devil went down to Georgia. Ooh, we we talked Charlie about Daniels. we talked about this at the top of the show. Uh, a thing that I had Mark try out that he said was kind of a dumpster oh, fire. It was awful. Yeah, I mean, you say it was awful, but it, it, it needs some work. I'll, I'll admit that. Really? Uh, so there's this thing. So you guys know we have a Slack community. Um, the Slack community is okay. It doesn't have a lot of people in it. It has enough people. It doesn't get a whole lot of posts. And I've been thinking about moving to a different platform because there's some things with Slack that I just don't love. One of those things is that I can't just have an open invite that is permanent so that people can just join whenever they want without me having to go refresh this invite every so often. What happens is I can make an invite that'll last like 30 days and then it'll expire. And then I got to go make a new one. And yes, I can like make a calendar appointment to remind me to do this. But let's be honest, I'm going to forget. So, uh, Discord lets you have an infinite invite. Yes. Discord is great. Uh, I do like it better than Slack, and it was my first contender for an alternative, and it may still be the alternative, because the other thing that I found, while I like it better, has some rough edges, as Mark will attest to. Um, Discord, Discord is great in that you can have open invites. Um, it treats... It just has a different feel to it, the way they the way they they approach a community. It feels more like a community and less like a workspace, right? So Slack seems to be designed solely to try to sell you professional Slack. And oh, it's God, it's, yeah. It's designed to be more of a a closed team, right? Those messages you typed three months ago, you want to see them? You want to see them? Yeah. They're they're gone. Pay so, me. Yeah, right. Pay me. Right. So um, that's one of the things I don't like about Slack. Discord is different. Discord is all about building a community, usually around like a, you know, a gamer or something or a streamer well, or a, whatever. It's it's primarily. Yeah. It's I mean, primarily a dis- gamer's Discord's platform. it's a gamer's platform. That's what it was birthed yeah. as. Vo- integrated voice chat and text right. chat for gaming. But it's cool because it has those features. And I've seen some other podcasts do things where. They stream the audio from their live broadcasts right into into Discord, which is kind of cool, right into the voice channel in Discord. Maybe we could do that. I don't know. Um, I've done, uh, yeah, we've done some game streaming into yeah, Discord. Yeah, we even streamed a movie through Discord. 
Right. You were there. What, yeah. are, what are we talking about? Yeah. So why don't you like Discord, Nate? The thing I don't like about Discord. Here we go. We're going to find out what he doesn't like about it. When you asked. I know. <laughs> what the, could it be? The thing I don't like, right? So the first Discord community I joined was uh, not IT related. It was it was like a more of a personal level thing. Mm-hmm. And um, when I created my Discord account, I used mm-hmm. like a different sort of persona, if you want to call it that. It's basically for, for all the Jeep stuff that I do, right? All right. Which is fine because it was the only Discord I was ever a member of. And then I started my own as a community for my Jeeping YouTube channel so that people okay. can come and chat with me, similar to what we do with the Iron Sys Admin Slack, right? So you could detect a trend here. I like to have a community around the, the things that I do that deserve a community. Mm-hmm. So the problem here is if I want to make one for Iron Sys Admin, um, my profile in Discord is uh, sort of specific to my jeeping persona, if you want to call it that. The avatar that I use, the name that I use, um, yeah, I the, see web, where you're going the websites associated with my account, all of that. Uh, the Discord client doesn't let you log into multiple accounts. The Discord client doesn't let you sufficiently customize your profile based on what server you're part of, right? So... Um, Basically, what I would end up with is I'd have to make two separate Discord accounts, I think, and I have to log out of one into the other whenever I want to switch between Iron Sysadmin Nate and Jeeping Nate, right? To me, that's that's enough hassle that I I don't want to have to deal with it, right? So, the, yeah, I could see that. the The real problem with all this is that I did a bunch of searching to find out, like, this sounds like a really simple thing that other people are probably asking for. And guess what? Other people are asking for it for very good reason. Some of them are like, we use Discord for work, and I have a personal me and a work me, and I don't want the two to clash, and I want to have separate profiles so that, like, you know, my my avatar where I'm, I'm poning noobs in, in Call of Duty isn't the same avatar I'm using when I'm talking to my so- coworkers, right? So people have been asking this for years. Three years is the oldest thread I found where people are saying, I need to be able to customize my avatar per server or I need to be able to log into two separate accounts. Yeah, you can do that with a different email address. Yeah, you can have a separate account with a different email address, but then you can't add both accounts to the client. Like with Slack, I can have three different accounts and they're all in the same client. Right, you have to pick which one you're logged into. Right, right. So, okay, so the the problem is a ton of people have asked for this and Discord appears to be ignoring them. I have a problem with that because this is obviously a thing your users want and you're not implementing it. It's a thing that some users want. A lot of users. How many is a lot? So the, 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 thread, the thread that I found about the avatars was three years old and had like, I don't know. 1500 responses saying yes i want this yes i want this now 1500 may not may be a small subset of discord's users but if 1500 if 1500 people want it there's probably a lot more that haven't found the thread and haven't posted about it or are posted in other threads (laughs) right and this is right in discord's community forums so so you know uh, i just i don't like the fact that it seems like they're ignoring the question I think they're probably not 
there's probably some challenges that would make that an actually pretty difficult thing to implement. You're probably right. And maybe I'm being too harsh on them. And they, and they don't find it necessary. Yeah. I could be being entirely too harsh here. Um, but I think you're, I think you're cutting off your nose despite, despite your face here because discord, I have had excellent experiences. Well, so I I, I get your complaint. So here's the thing. The, the third option, or at least the third option that I've come across that is that I considered viable. And that's, that's why we were testing it is this other project, which is really cool from a perspective uh, of the sort of people who might be listening to this show because it's an open source project. It's decentralized and it does end to end encrypted chat, right? Which I don't care so much about for iron sysadmin, but I could care about for other types of chat. Uh, Yeah, sure. I can run my own server in my basement or on DigitalOcean or wherever I want so that my communications are stored there, except ones, of course, that are federated with outside servers. But there is federation with outside servers, right? So this is like, like uh, if you remember how IRC worked back in the day, right? I mean, Back in the day! We still use IRC in some cases, but in a lot yeah, of people are still we're IRC. we're in the day. Right. We're in the day, man. Um, we, it's part of my job. You need right, to use IRC right. where we work. You'd run an IRC server. You could host chat. Well, this takes it a step further in that it's now over modern protocols. It's over encrypted protocols, and it can federate. I don't know if IRC ever had a federation uh, f- uh, feature no, to I just it. Got, I got Star Trek in my head right now. Right. Kirk running around. So by federation, I mean, if you've got a if you've got a matrix server and I've got a matrix server, we can chat with each other and have our accounts on our own servers. Right. Yeah. It also yeah. does communities, which will let but you. But it's one big happy fleet. Right. It'll let you do communities where you can sort of group channels. Uh, it'll let you do, like I said, end to end encryption. Um, Fantastic. It's really cool. The, the problem is that the UI. So similar to IRC. There's a server. The server has nothing to do with what client you're using, right? And there's a bunch of different types of clients. This this is where we're going to hear the excuses now. The client that is considered best is this one called Element. It used to be Riot. They had problems with the naming because they couldn't get copyright or whatever. Because of League of Legends, probably. Maybe. I don't know. Riot Uh, Games is League of Legends. I can guarantee that's the problem. Maybe that's it. Uh, So they changed the name to Element recently, which is really what brought it back to the forefront of my mind because I looked at this a while ago. Um, Riot seems, I don't know, three quarters of the way done at best. It's got a lot of the core functionality. There's a lot of weird UI elements that don't work well. Um, Mark, the issue, the issue you were seeing could very well have been, have to have to do with the fact that I'm running my own home server right in there. I think, I think there's some kind of a communication problem going on that I haven't gotten to the bottom of. would suspect because it was death looping me yeah where, see, that's a problem where right? it, it asks you a question but there's no there's no ability to cancel it it right. would just death loop so um and it never sent me the verification what, email what i'm it did, did eventually it. you said yeah it did eventually but it didn't um, work what i want to do womp. is i'm going to spend some more time with matrix and see with matrix and element i should say and yeah, see get, if get. see if i can iron out these problems Get involved like in their community admin. and see if there's, you know, common fixes for these things. Figure out this this communication problem I think I'm having or having, and then see if we can iron this out. And maybe it could actually be a viable platform. If all that doesn't pan out, we'll probably end up on Discord. Yeah, <laughs> and get, then get, get Morpheus on the job. Right. No, dude, I, I and and 
don't don't hear me don't don't hear me wrong here i i'm a big fan if we can make the technology work and i think trying to make the technology work is is worth it on its own for the learning experience and everything not, else not i'm just, just not just the learning experience right it's i feel like this technology could be beneficial to folks who want communication that is decentralized and private Right. right. And which some people liter some people don't care about, but I think more people should care about. Right. The more popularity platforms like this get. And the thing with Matrix is it's being used for chat. I think it has a lot more that can be done. Like it it can do video and voice chat. It can do like it'll integrate with a ton of different services. It can do like message queuing type stuff, right? So there's a lot more to this than just chat. It's just that it, this that the way people are using it right now are chat, right? It's yeah. it's like this multi-purpose backend, right? Is really what it is. Um, so I really think that this thing has promise, and I would love to see groups like us who are full of sysadmins who are used to dealing with rough ed rough edges, right? Uh, use something like this to to help move it forward. The more people use it, the the more people maybe even get involved in the community, the better it's going to be, and it this right. could be you know, the future of things like social networking or decentralized chat, right? So anyway, I say all that to say, I have a community set up for enable system or for iron sysadmin. Iron I'm, I'm getting my groups, my groups confused here. I have a community right, set up for iron sysadmin. There's a link to where you can try to join it in the show notes. Uh, Matrix has this like specialized link formatting where you can literally click on it. It goes to it in a web browser and it gives you some brief instructions on how to join the community. Um, I would like anyone who's interested in trying to see how this works, I want you to try it out and I want you to, to let me know how it goes. Is, let me know if you can get into the community, if how you run into goes. problems like how it goes. <laughs> I'm clicking on the link again now. If you get if you run into problems like Mark did where the client just does not work for you. Um, I just, whoa, whoa, what happened now? All right. I'm seeing rooms listed on the side. Is it better now? See, I did make some Failed changes. To join room. Okay, what? I can't join show planning, but let me see if I can join general. Yeah, so show planning is Here a special comes the general. Yeah, show planning is a special room that is uh, private, right? So that I still have to figure out how to make a private room that doesn't give you that weird error. Um, so that'll that'll be another thing. Hey, look, I see Uncle Mark chatting with me on Matrix now. Here comes the general. So at any rate, I'm going to throw, let me see if I can quick copy this link. I'm going to throw it into the chat. If anybody wants to hop in there and try it out, feel free. I'm sysadmin host. There's an invite for that. I'll accept it. And I could, I could do that too. Room show planning. Yeah. See, I think. I'll see if I can accept that. Yeah. It's not letting me into show planning, but you know what? I'll figure that out. This is, this is, uh, all right. So I, you you must have done something. You must have I did. poked the right hamster. I did. I did do some work to the way the community was set up and the way that private channel was set up. Uh, so hopefully that that'll help that. Um, but you know, and and that's kind of the thing, right? Um, open source is a tough thing because when people have a bad first experience with it, right. they don't even necessarily blame the moron who set it up. <clears throat> Nate, they go right to, hey, this is a, this is this a garbage is garbage, fire. right? 
Yeah. But it, so it I mean, more this than is likely is not garbage. This is a perfect example of that. I mean, look at who you work for. You work for Red Hat. We do a lot of open source software. People could argue that some of the products that we produce have the same problem if they're not set up properly. I I would argue that. Yeah. We have right? we have shipped some stuff that I'm like, <laughs> just, why did we, we ship, ship this? That? Yeah. We shipped that. So that's that's a good. That's and yeah, if no and way. if if people like us can't rally behind something that we think is a good solution that has some rough edges, then who's going to? And I'm pretty sure the other day when we were testing it, I was kind of cranky. I think you were. You said was it last about, week? No, I don't. Was it? Might have been earlier this week. This this has been the week from hell for me. So <laughs> I'm not gonna talk about that on the show. <laughs> So anyway, that's my that's my uh, my plugs well, for enable sysadmin like, and for matrix. <laughs> looks like we might have some progress there, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious if if folks try it out. Uh, if you get in there, uh, it should be obvious who I am. I'm Gangriff, like I am on every other platform. Um, Are you Gangriff on your jeeping platform? Uh, no, I'm not there. I'm just Nate. Well, there's your problem. That's yeah. totally it. If just I would Nate. just if I would just uh, consolidate those, then I wouldn't have that problem with Discord, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we can make Matrix work. Maybe we can. All right. So that's that's my that's my uh, my rant of the evening. I'm gonna drink some more beer, and you can talk about whatever you were gonna talk about. So when I wrote the show note, I was drinking Devil's Cut, Jim Bean's Devil's Cut, which is now in my belly and has soaked into my brain a little bit. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, I've become a bit of a fan of bourbon over the past couple of years. And uh, honestly, I've been drinking it either on the rocks or neat rather than even mixing it with drinks. I don't know if it's because I'm an old guy now or just whatever. It's also a good way to limit the calories, right? Yeah, right. Because uh, I've been working on that, too. But I yeah, always... that was, that's... That's what I was drinking tonight. I always make old fashions when I have bourbon or rye or whiskey. I, and uh, I, I do like old fashions. They're my they're the drink I order when I go someplace new. Yeah, but it's got like a whole shot of simple syrup, which is basically sugar. <laughs> yeah, but if I'm traveling like for work or if we're on a cruise or something or whatever, then I'm sort of not caring for a very short time anyway. Like, yeah, when I know I'm, the feeling. When I'm, when I'm home and stuff, I'm fanatically measuring food, doing the calorie count. I mean, I've lost. We got back from vacation. I was at I was in the two forties, and I weighed in at two twenty three point two this morning, and that's not even my low point. because uh, we had a bunch of stuff with salt in it the other day. Yeah, I was at two twenty two point seven. I think is my <clears> low <throat> low point. Oh, we were talking when I was talking about running a couple shows ago, and I said mm -hmm. how my weight never seems to go on a trend downward. Yeah. It's going on a trend downward now. It's a very slow trend, but it's a trend downward. I've actually lost in all about five pounds, which is... That's good. Not bad for, for running and really doing nothing else, right? I'm not doing anything else yeah. to try to limit calorie intake. I'm just started running. No, when you, what I have found is that if I, if I actually, if I use technology, I use my fitness pal on a food scale mm -hmm. and, and I let my fitness pal do the math based on my age, my height, everything else, you know, and my current weight, it'll calculate, well, this is the number of calories you'll burn sitting on your ass. Yeah. And if you want to lose this much weight, you need to, you know, eat this many calories or less in a day. Right. And when I track and I pay attention to it, the weight does go down. It's it's like a miracle. 
pretty cool. It's a question. It's a question of whether or not. Honestly, the pandemic has helped because we don't we don't order as much junk food, mm-hmm. and I haven't done any work related trips or like the New York stuff or the Philly stuff, yeah. which is. Because, oh, I'm just going to not care today turns into, oh, I'm not going to care for a couple of days to all of a sudden you're just like, ah, what's the point? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I actually, I I don't want to get too crazy personal, but I just happened to be at my doctor last week and uh, he noticed my blood pressure was lower, which I think is directly proportional to the fact that I'm running, right? Absolutely. My my blood pressure's never been a problem to begin with, but uh, he said it's like... Even though he's normally su- as you get older, it goes up. Right. So he's usually surprised at how good my blood pressure is. And now it's even better. <laughs> so that's good. Wow. Right. And um, and he noticed my weight was down. So, I mean, you know, good that's stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Now my physical back at the end of June, I think it was in June. My my blood sugar got low enough. My my A1C that my doctor's like, yeah, let's let's get you off of this one drug you're taking. And if your blood sugar can stay under 120 in the morning, then you can stop taking it. And what's nice is that the, the, the medication, uh, it, it helps by making your body produce more insulin, which makes you hungrier. So by not being on it, I'm not like a crazy mad hungry dude at night now. Like, where's my bag of chips? That's a good thing. So it is a good thing. thing. Not eating bags of chips at night is always a bonus. <laughs> I like eating bags of chips, but I so like feeling I. I like actually feeling better. Like I feel better, which is neat. I agree. Um, I agree. I I feel I don't feel like significantly better since I'm running again, but I feel I feel a little uh, better, and that's good. I like try and walk and and in theory I'm supposed to try and walk 5 times a week, but I've been walking like every day and even in this jungle garbage weather we're having, I think because I've been walking and I've lost weight, it's it doesn't even suck as much to walk in the heat and the humidity. So Yeah. It's yeah. some sort of weird ass feedback loop. I can't wait to fe- to see what the justification will be when I just stop paying attention and get fat again this time. That'll be <laughs> I'm going to be mad at at that guy. Yeah, right. Ah uh, but yeah, all that about my bourbon. Um, well, bourbon and, and health. This is health chat on Iron Sissetman. <laughs> well, the point is though, because because that's the way math works, right? Yeah. You lose weight by burning more calories than you eat. Yeah. And so you you can eat pretty much whatever we want or drink whatever you want as long as you're as long as it's being accurate and, and you know it's, below a certain number it's really a valid conversation to have on a show like iron sissetman because there's yeah because we're nerdy we're we're nerds nerds are traditionally not very fit or they're not into sports right so sports ball. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm trying sports. not to generalize here because i know a lot of nerds that are very into health right but i know a lot I, that aren't the and, classic um, the classic nerd when when i was in high school was definitely more of the was definitely more of the ding dong eating, not into sports and stuff. Right. I think nowadays, right. I think nowadays there's actually a lot of, there's a lot of nerd, uh, of nerd friendly sports or nerds who are into like right. some of the crazier stuff. And they're part of, cause nerd I've culture, I think of, it's just expanded so much. I've seen a so lot of much. cycling. I don't know why, but I, there seems to be a lot of folks that bike. Cycling, uh, rock climbing seems to be a yeah. big one that a lot of nerds like to do. Right. Because that's a, pro- you're solving problems, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
I think that's what it is. You need to attach it to problem solving. Maybe that's now it. I'm terrified of heights. Yeah. So even would, if I even if I problem. get in good enough shape to rock climb, I probably wouldn't probably do it. Can. But I can, I can appreciate the problem solving aspect of yeah. it. I don't even like to do rock climbing in VR. Oh, where yeah. All you have to do is move your hands because right. you're like you look to the side. Like, ah! Oh my gosh! Yeah. I'm four thousand feet up. <laughs> Yeah. So, well, not but, even 4,000 feet. I mean, we, we did a show a very long time ago about trying to stay healthy and working in IT because it is it is important. I mean, we sit oh, at desks all day. And it can be super challenging. Yeah, super we, challenging. we sit at a desk all day. As you can see, anyone who's watching the stream and hasn't given up because of this damn bandwidth problem, uh, I'm standing right now. It's because I have a convertible stand-up, sit-down desk. I don't stand all the time, but I try to stand at least a little bit each day because it seems to help. Um, I have one of those desks, but I never use it. Yeah. But... But I do walk pretty much every day, that's so usually, that's how I justify it. That's usually the problem, right? You get it, but then standing kind of sucks because your feet start to hurt and your knees start to it hurt. Does. All the, the trick there is to stand for a couple hours and then sit down. I do sit. The trick is to keep moving around and changing positions. That's the real trick. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, you know, at any rate. All right. Enough about this health crap. Looks like you finished uh, Clone Wars. Last night was a big deal. Yeah. Um, I, uh, last night was Wednesday. So after my son's troop meeting, we had a little leader meeting after that, but our scout master was like, can you guys stay a little bit after the meeting? I'm like, if it's just a few minutes. Yeah. And then, uh, Abby broke out the, uh, the sake set. I, she bought these, uh, she bought these raccoon shaped, uh, sake. Uh, it, it's pretty cute. I'll have to show it on camera one of these days or yeah. whatever. And so we poured sake and watched the last four episode of Clone Wars, which was, oof, man, some good stuff. Yeah, uh, I haven't. I don't think I've seen the whole, uh, the whole season or the whole series. How long is it? How many? How many seasons is it? It's uh, are there seven seasons, but not all the seasons are the same length. The last two seasons are are shortened. I think it's seven seasons though. Okay. And uh, there was a break, right, for a long time season five was the last season and then season six was the bastardized sort of half done season and then season seven was the specifically done for disney plus to close the gap between actually the not to get too spoilery the last four episodes of clone wars are in parallel to the third movie and oh, that's interesting. actually, yeah. Huh. And there's actually scenes that overlay and stuff that's overlaying. Abby pointed one of them out to me. So now I have to watch the third movie, which is kind of My, painful. Yeah. Well, so one of the parts that super frustrated me about the third movie prior is that Anakin turns to the dark side. It seems like 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 flipping a light switch almost. Yeah. And Clone Wars what you really end up with is you see a slow burn towards the turn. Oh God, I can't believe I just rhymed. You see <laughs> a slow burn towards there, the turn. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot of, of time invested in story told in showing Anakin Skywalker's fall as he becomes Darth Vader. Ah. So it makes it, it makes a lot more sense. Plus, you know, I, I, I don't know how much of this counts as spoilers or not, but Ahsoka's tale is, is kind of a tragic one when it comes to her and the Jedi Order. So it it's it's just really good. I I'm going on record right now. Now Rebels could change my mind. 
I doubt it's going to. Yeah. And there's Resistance, which is a kid's show that takes place during the last three movies. And I'm going to have to watch that, too. But I'm going to go on record as saying The Clone Wars is probably the best Star Wars you can watch right now, closely followed by The Mandalorian. I think that... Uh, I think that those are the two best pieces of Star Wars that are available right now. Yeah, I mean, The Mandalorian was a good show. Oh, I should is. I'm hoping that yeah. that that was baby is not Yoda, a good uh, baby, baby Yoda. Good old baby, baby Yoda. Yoda, baby, baby Yoda. Yeah, no, it's it's coming back for season two. It better yeah. be. Oh, it is. It, <laughs> it is. It better be. <laughs> yeah. And thanks to Clone Wars, I understand some of the stuff that went down in that last episode. Yeah. Good though. But yeah, that was so that was a big my Star Wars project. Uh I finished Clone Wars last night. Um cool. Update on the Star uh, Wars project. So right. I just I just closed a bunch of tabs that I was using to monitor whether the streams were working because mm -hmm. now I can trust the streams are working. And I think that may have helped the bandwidth problem. So folks, if you're on the stream and hearing this, let me know if it looks better because all of a sudden OBS is green. I don't know if it's because of what I did or if it's because of all the garbage you had open, like whatever issue we were having has now dissipated. But if that's the case, I'll know for next time. Don't do that shit. <laughs> yeah. So it was so me, just me just... being paranoid. I wanted to make sure all the streams were working. So I had them open, but muted. But obviously, duh, that consumes bandwidth. So I just closed them all. And it seems like it's better. It's sort of like when you have a performance problem and you use too many tools to measure it, <laughs> you negatively, you cause more problems. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'll know that for next time. Don't do all that crap. So yeah, there's our postmortem. Um, right. So right. let me just finish the star Wars talk. Sure. Go ahead. Um, go ahead. So there is a series coming out and depending on where you stop watching clone wars, this will mean nothing to you, but we meet a group of clones called the bad batch and, oh, uh, that's where it came from. Okay. There's going to be a series around them, and it's going to take place after the rise of the Empire. When I saw Bef when I saw the name... It basically takes place right after the Clone Wars are over. When I saw the name, the first thing that came to mind by the Bad Batch was that this was some kind of uh, you know experiment gone wrong or whatever. But that makes even more sense, that there was a batch of clones so, and these they're bad. <laughs> well, they're bad in the sense that they ha end, they end up with mutations, but they're mutations that are actually kind of handy, but oh. they're obviously not, they're not perfect clone copies. So, so leave it to the Empire to go, you guys are different, therefore you cannot be Stormtroopers, well, even though different Republic could be better. Sorry, the Republic. So Stormtroopers are not clones. You got to remember that. The right. clones are their own thing. And it was the New Republic like has the clones. See, this, is, be this is because are, I haven't watched Clone Wars. Yeah. Well, you should know anyway. Stormtroopers are not clones. It doesn't yeah. matter whether you but watch this Clone whole Wars. this that whole section of the story was mm -hmm. so like accelerated in in the the first trilogy, uh, as in chronologically the first three movies, not the first so three that were recorded. Here's here's the part that kills me, and I was thinking about this while making dinner tonight. Because if you remember from the first Star Wars movie, they're talking about the the Jedi are an ancient religion, mm -hmm. and it's almost like people have forgotten what Jedi are and stuff like that. The Clone Wars, Luke Skywalker was born at the end of it, and he's what in his early early twenties in the first movie. So this is this is stuff that I went down twenty right. years ago. Right. Have you completely forgotten what you were what was going on twenty years ago? No. I mean, no. <laughs> Sometimes right? I that think was, I might want to, but no. 
that was 2000, right? So 20 years ago. Yeah. That would have been yeah. 2000. So it's just kind of weird to me because yeah, you had this impression when watching the first, the, the, before the, the prequels were a thing that the, 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 the galaxy had forgotten that, that the Jedi even existed, but that would be like forgetting that, you know, forgetting that 9-11 happened or, well, or the Y2K. I mean, it's just, it, it, that struck me as weird. Imagine, I don't know what perspective to put this in because it is really hard to imagine that you right? just forget that quickly. But imagine that I don't know. Imagine that Scientology the vanished. Gear, the gears are grinding. No, imagine that Scientology vanished tomorrow. Or okay. imagine that Scientology vanished 20 years ago. You think mm -hmm. anybody would remember today that Scientology was a thing? Yeah, I Right? I they I they were a bunch that. of hokey people that thought they were magicians and then they vanished. <laughs> right? So think of it that way, right? Now the Jedi were more than that. They were they were literally an army, right? And they had lightsabers, and there was proof behind their magic, well, right? Yeah, the jet, but the jet. Well, the Jedi themselves argue as to whether they were an army. They were more like they they ended up they being were, military leaders, right. and they were crappy military leaders. And the Clone Wars even kind of talks about that. <laughs> Jedi are not good generals, right? So, so anyway, but anyway, so that's that's my Star Wars adventure progresses. Right. So it's going to be episode three, which did I say my son asked if I was going to watch it tonight after the show? I'm like, that's a heavy lift, dude. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, so I'll do that. Then I think having done a little research and talking to my daughter, Abby, who's the real expert, it would then be Solo, which I actually like Solo because I'm a huge Chewbacca fan. Yeah, Solo, I thought Solo was a good then, movie. Then Rebels. And then uh, Rogue One, which obviously leads right into episode four, then five and six. Rebels. What's After Rebels? Star Wars Rebels is uh, an animated series, which okay. is not it's not as mature as the Clone Wars, but it's also not as kiddy as Resistance. And it takes place uh, right before the stuff that starts going on in the trilogy. OK, the original trilogy. Original trilogy. Right. Right. So obviously after episode six, then it's Mandalorian. I'll have to suffer through watching that again, and I, I don't know air how you'll suffer. How you'll manage to do that? I'll sit on the couch hugging Baby Yoda the whole time. Oh, I have a Baby Yoda. And then, <laughs> right? And then the question is: Do I watch The Force Awakens and then Resistance, or do I watch Resistance first? It's unclear. So I gotta, I gotta look into that where where that appears in story. Well, you'll order. you'll have to watch Resistance to find out where you think it falls in the timeline, no, and then watch in, it. <laughs> In fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be that guy. Wow, it's 8.53. I thought we were going to be early today. Yeah, I know. We, we got the through the main yet. topic so quick, and then we yammered on for ha for like an hour in the thing. That's okay. We're kind of light on news tonight, so that should not take as long. In Star Wars timeline. You're looking at the Star Wars timeline. Where Resistance takes place. All right. It takes place across the sequel trilogy. Crap. Now you got to figure out where... It starts six months before The Force Awakens, before crossing over with it at the end of the first season. Wow. So now you got to so, get all kinds of crazy. Mm, 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 mm. Right. 
Ah, uh, Star's Resistance. Routing for two seasons. It's the then season two crosses over the last Jedi and ends in the lead ups to the rise of Skywalker. <clears throat> well, while you debate that, I think we should probably move into the news, huh? <laughs> what yeah. Do you, what do you I think? think? I think what I'm going to do. All right. So maybe it's I watch the first season, then watch The Force Awakens then watch the second season, then watch The Last Jedi. All right. What, what you're going to have to do when, like, you're going to have to jot down, maybe you're already doing this, jot down where you watched everything and publish this somewhere so that listeners can go do it in the same order if they want to. So I'm watching every, if it's not on Disney Plus, it's not part of the canon I'm watching. So it's uh, it's because Disney Disney Plus is now the, the, the single source for Star Wars official stuff. Right. So I'm not watching the Cartoon Network Clone Wars that came out, the one that had the Samurai Jack style. Oh, okay. Uh, and I'm, I don't know if there's any other, the Star Wars Holiday Special is off the table because I, <laughs> I suffered through that in real life. <laughs> you know what it's eating oh, again? Oh. Forget that. Get the taste out of my mouth. Yeah, I saw that live on TV. Oh, That's enough, right? All oh, right. Carol. So that's right. enough Star Wars and health and uh, ranting about open source projects. I say we go on into the news. So I'm going to hit the button. Because, hit the button. You know. For anybody watching live, ever since we switched to the live stream using OBS, that is the only music that Mark and I get to hear on stream, and that's kind of sad. I like the music, and I'm sad that we can't hear it. I'm just not so egotistical that I go back and listen to the podcast, you know? I I, I used to. Not often. Every, I probably want to go back and listen to the Chris Wright one. Every, uh, every show I would listen to on my commute into work, so I could yeah, make well, sure that what ended up published to the world was quality, even though I listened to it while editing. But now I don't have a commute anymore, so I haven't actually listened to this show afterward other than editing uh, since, well, probably like a year ago. <laughs> so for, for, for all we know, it's garbage. It could be. If anybody's listening to this podcast recorded and it sounds terrible, let us know because we might not know. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to download the Chris Wright episode right now onto my iPhone. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Go go listen to that. Because I want to go back and listen to that. I should have went and looked up the statistics. I, that... So far, um, like a couple days after after we released it, I looked at the statistics and uh, it had been listened to more in the first couple days than most of our other shows have. So, um, well, we we did kind of pimp it a bit. It got pimped out on Twitter, too. Right. So I'm curious if that if that kept up or if it really fell back to like normal after that. So, well, when I go to upload tonight's show, I'll be able to check. And I never heard back from the marketing team on that. You did it. Go that's because you raised an issue. I just sent, I just emailed the address <laughs> that you're supposed to. I know, I know. And it automatically opened a ticket. It opened an issue, not a ticket. Issue. Know. It was worded as an uh, issue because yeah. I thought that was the that was the worst wording ever for an email to the marketing group. It is. <laughs> anyway, let's go into the news. What do you think? <laughs> so, uh, Mark, did you? Do you hear? need to hit the button again? I think. I, yeah, maybe we do. I think. I think maybe I'll hit this button. Uh, ah, I missed it. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So did you hear? I think it was last week now. Let me see. What's the date on this article? 
Yeah, last week. Uh, did you hear that there was uh, this weird, like, like all these verified Twitter accounts started tweeting about a Bitcoin opportunity, although it was actually a scam? I I did hear about that, yeah, which, so... which made me chuckle a little bit, although I'm sure it was wrong to chuckle. Well, maybe. So I've included two links in the show notes. One of them is an article from Brian Krebs where he talks a little bit about the hack, but he also puts in some of his trademark conjecture about uh, who he thinks did it and why. Uh, it is a very long article, though, so I didn't, I'm not going to distill that to you. I included it mainly for color so that folks can go read it if they want to. Um, so there's a disconnect in my head. Okay, what's the disconnect? And just call me out if this is just wrong thinking. Totally wrong. So I think most things like this succeed because they target people who are not technologically sophisticated, mm -hmm. right? Like, I feel really bad about when grandma answers the phone and there's this dude on it who can barely speak English who convinces her that she, he's from the IRS right. and that the magistrate's going to arrest her right. unless she pays her tax bills with iTunes gift cards. And then she actually goes to Walmart and, and buys, buys iTunes, iTunes gift, gift, yeah. shoes, gift or, and right. sends it to him. But if if I actually am clever enough to even know that Bitcoin exists and I own Bitcoin, how dumb am I to fall for this? So it's for the same. I mean, Bitcoin is. Or am I underestimating how I, many dumb people actually have Bitcoin? Well, I think it's also easy enough given the right level of instruction to get Bitcoin and pay a thing, mm -hmm. right? So otherwise, folks who are doing like ransomware wouldn't be using Bitcoin. Right, but that you've been targeted for an attack. The, this, this Twitter thing is like, hey, if you send us 10 Bitcoin, I'll send you 20 back. Right. I mean, it's classic. It's yeah, a I classic guess you're scam. Right. It's not I, it just boggles my mind a little bit. That's all. And and maybe Bitcoin's become more accessible. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I kind of I did a little bit of Bitcoin mining for a little while after I first built my gaming rig. And then I'm like, this is a waste of my time and electricity. And oh, I'm it is probably shortening yeah, the life mining, of my video card. Mining now is not the way to make any money with Bitcoin. The way to do it now is trading or buying things with Bitcoin. Earning Bitcoin through sales, or you know, scamming everybody on Twitter, um, and then and That's then basically a very fast, effective way. Yes. Basically, you're betting on receiving Bitcoin. Like if you're doing this legally, right? You're going to spend money to make Bitcoin, or you're going to buy Bitcoin, and then you're going to wait for like the price of Bitcoin to skyrocket, which may never happen again. You know, like who knows? Um, but. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 kind of the way to make money with Bitcoin now. However, Bitcoin could still be a viable like online currency, right? I just don't see grandma using it, that's all. You're right. So so right, if you're going to scam people, send me Bitcoin, I'll send you some back. Um you're right. That that should take I don't know. I I, I, can, I, guess, I think the, the point I, is I can see your point. I I it sounds mean, but I guess I'm thinking if you're smart enough to buy Bitcoin but you're dumb enough to have fallen for this, then I don't have a high opinion of you. <laughs> so uh, the, the scam aside, I'm more interested in the actual hack, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, there's an article here from Security Boulevard. This is just really the first one I came across. I probably could have found a, a different source uh, that was a little more, I don't know, uh, known, but it, they outline it well enough. Uh, basically, um, apparently, this is an insider attack or 
at least that's what the current thought is. I don't know if anybody has done an actual uh, release on like what really happened here, but supposedly the hackers, quote unquote hackers themselves, have said that what they did was they paid off or convinced an internal Twitter employee. Uh, so they got to cipher. They got to cipher, right? For anyone yeah. who hasn't watched The Matrix, I'm sorry, you don't get that joke. But yeah, they got to cipher. And if you uh, if you listen wished... to the Iron Sis admin and you haven't watched The right. Matrix, then I'm judging you too. They got they got to the Twitter employee who wished they had taken the blue pill, and yeah. uh, they they got that person to basically give them access, I suppose, or tweet something as all these users. There's some kind of an internal tool, which concerns me a little bit, uh, that let this employee tweet these things. So does that mean that Twitter employees have the ability to tweet as me or as verified Twitter accounts? That seems kind of shady, don't you think? Um, are the, is it policy that they should be able to that they that is that standard policy that they can do that? I'm, so, I'm thinking that I'm thinking they're not allowed to do it, but do they have the technical capability well, to do it? The, Absolutely. There's, there's a difference between technical capability. If you have admin access to the back end of a system, you can do things as the user. Right. Uh, do I think the, do I think Twitter says you're allowed to tweet on behalf well, of a verified user? I'm thinking that's a good way to get fired. Here's the thing. The way this is being portrayed, there is a tool that allowed them to do this. They didn't say that, you know, they had inserted tweets into a database. They didn't say that they had used, you know, some backend means, like some archaic means of, of posting these tweets it's no, it's it makes it sound like i'm joe twitter employee i've logged into twitter corporate and i i put a check mark next to next to jeff bezos and i said tweet this as him so that does not without, sound like a tool they should have so it shouldn't exist giving, well <laughs> i'm gonna disagree because we have tooling as red hatters that we can use to become a customer's account. And we, we're only supposed to use this for read-only purposes. But I, we, we have the tooling as employees to go in if we, if, and, and make changes as if we're the customer. And it's one of the few ways to get fired from Red Hat by misusing that because it's all audited. Sure. But most companies have that, have tooling like that because sometimes you need that to do manager type things. I I don't think I just got us in trouble for admitting that there's tooling that lets us technically do that stuff, but there's a lot of auditing and policy wrapped around it to prevent abuse. So the question becomes, is the tooling inside of Twitter adequately tracked, audited, and controlled? And that's really the question, right? I I don't know. I guess you're right. Like the ability to become user, right, um, could be the sort of tool they're talking about that was used to do this kind of thing. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Get, you almost need tools like that for, for, for troubleshooting and, and development and, or even for, you know, validating, you know, this customer says he's having, I mean, we, the, usually when I use the tooling inside of Red Hat, it's because a customer's like, I don't know if I have these subscriptions or I don't, you know, I yeah. can't see. So I'll pop in as them and see what I see. I'm like, oh, you missed the button over here. And and I never change anything as a customer, right? Because again, I like working for Red Hat, but I will tell the customer, this is what you need to do. 
and they'll be like, ah, oh, thank you. And I don't like to do that very often. I use the tooling maybe once a year on average. Honestly. Yeah, no, I agree. Because it scares me. I don't yeah. want to screw up. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's a that you know that 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 that's something that can you, you know this way lies danger. Yeah. <clears throat> so at any rate, um, the folks who but were. It sounds like they have that 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 possibly that type of tooling. I don't think yeah. they were doing. I don't think they were going in and injecting database entries by yeah. hand or anything crazy like that. I think there's some some pseudo pseudo level type tooling that somebody exploited, and hopefully they figured out who did it and they're no longer at the Twitter. Right. So supposedly the or according to the article anyway, the accounts or a short list of the accounts that were affected were folks like you know no names like Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Apple. Uber, Elon Musk, Kanye West, uh, Bill Gates, which we have a follow-up article on because he was probably trying to get the implants in people, uh, and Kim Kardashian, among okay. others, they said. But they also used, uh, who was it, Jeff Bezos as an example. So I don't know why they didn't include them in the list, but uh, whatever. Uh, so, yeah. And basically they, they tweeted a Bitcoin scam where they just said, as we summarized earlier, send us Bitcoins and we'll send you some back. Like they're going to do some magic to d double your money or something. Yeah, it's a pretty old scam, but uh, I've heard some security professionals saying things like you had this level of access to Twitter and all you did was promote a scam. This seems this seems like a cover for something else. But when you think about the fact that if it really was an insider, right, uh, they didn't really have that level of access. They had access to a person and that person probably had a limit. Like, you're paying me to tweet some things? Fine, I'll do that. You're paying me to do something worse? No, right? So Right, and if they tra if they if Twitter traces who did that, that person's right. done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're not only out of a job, they could be in legal trouble. Yeah, they may already be done, for all we know. The, this right, article doesn't, know. doesn't really go into that. So, yeah, if you want to read Brian Krebs' opinion on the matter, you can go ahead and read that. That's in the notes. And uh, if you want to read the article about the hack itself, I'm sure there are lots of other articles out there. This one's from Security Boulevard. I think what it comes down to is, you know, people are the weak, are often the weak link in the chain. Oh, absolutely. And this happens over and over again, you know, whether it's a fish convincing a CEO to, to, uh, to, to authorize a bank transfer or, you know, convincing a sysadmin to, uh, to dump a database or something like that. Yeah, it's, these are things, you know, social engineering is, I would say, the, the more successful way to hack a company than technical threats at this point. Maybe not more yeah. all the time, but it is definitely uh, an easier path than trying to break technology. No doubt. So speaking of technology, or at least somebody that we all know of in technology. You want to cover your uh, GeekWire article that you threw in here? Yeah. So, so I think, uh, you know, this, this Corona stuff is driving people nuts in some ways. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> A little bit, right? Oh, this one, this one I copied from Facebook. So it's got that as a preface. Blech. Blech. But so apparently the latest, uh, the latest conspiracy theory is around Bill Gates who, you know, 20 years ago, he want if we would send him an email, he'd pay us $5 to help him test Microsoft Mail. Yeah, that I remember that. Be going, yeah, right. Totally. So now he's moved on to, he's moved on to uh, more insidious things. Um, he was asked right out on CBS last night, um, 
the posts on social media about you and coronavirus are considered the most widespread coronavirus falseheads to exist. To be clear, this is from Nora O'Donnell, a real newscaster. <laughs> Do you want a vaccine so that you can implant microchips into people? And Bill Gates said, of course, because I'm a supervillain. No, Bill <laughs> Gates said, no. I don't know where that came from because apparently Bill Gates is he like, you know, now a James Bond supervillain to a lot of people. Yeah, it seems that way. The number of people I've seen sharing stuff. This is one of the reasons I'm not frequent on Facebook at this point, because the number of conspiracies I, that have, it's the we did a show on this, right? right. I mean, I it's, to be it's that I bad. To, I need to be less frequent. But so so. I actually use this article to refute a Facebook friend mm -hmm. who just did this whole, he, all he did was he put in big, in, with a big flaming background, Bill Gates wants to inject people with microchips. And, and I'm like, that's garbage. I actually replied. I'm like, yeah. that's garbage. No, he doesn't. He's like, and he replied, well, I guess CBS is fake news because that's where he said it. So I'm like, no, this can't possibly be true. So I no. did a Google search, Bill Gates, CBS, microchip. This thing popped, which was yesterday. And I'm like, if you're talking about this article, like this article talks about this interview, he said the complete exact opposite. And then he's like, well, I, I, I must have heard it wrong. But <laughs> And really what he means is one of his friends on Facebook told him that CBS said this or that Bill Gates said this on CBS. He didn't fact check it at all and then shared it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but OK, so so I'm going to peel back the curtain a little bit. One of my hobbies is also I'm a bit of a theology nerd. Mm -hmm. And this this guy, this guy swimming in the in the uh, in the whole Darby based dispensationalism uh, microchips are the number of the beast because, you know, rep, the book of Revelation is all about stuff that's going to happen because America is the new Jerusalem, blargo, blargo, blargo. And for all the listeners whose heads just exploded, um, if you've ever like watched any of the or heard of the Left Behind movies or books, uh huh, that's like the garbage pop culture that sprang out of mov a movement from the 19th century from Charles Darby, which was essentially trying to 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 it, it's this whole basic thing saying hey we're trying to figure out when jesus is coming back based on bible prophecy and and it 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 actually it's elaborate and it's crazy at times but but if you have if you have some of your more conservative or or religious friends on facebook and they start yabbering about the number of the beast and the microchip is how the one world government's going to track me that's probably where it's coming from yeah it was rfid a couple of years ago they said rfid was, was going to be was. the devil yeah the other thing is um no one can tell me what this mythical microchip is supposed to do yeah right other than track you right um but so I, I've tried to tell people, look, we don't have the technology to even build this type of thing at, to, 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 to power it, to have it do anything significant and then be injectable via a vaccine needle. Yeah, this isn't technology right? that exists as far as we, we were, know anyway. Yeah, who knows? We, Bill we, Gates probably has it. <laughs> yeah, right and and so what's in it for him right of course of course you don't know about it because bill gates is keeping it secret from you and 
that way lies madness. So yeah, I mean, it's it's the common tactic, right? So I have a crazy conspiracy theory that is very easy to disprove. So what's the first way that I prove my conspiracy theory? I disprove all the truth. However, I can. I make sure all of the truth that's going to surround my untruth can't possibly be true because I have other theories about why they can't be true. Right. And that's how this stuff perpetuates. It's it's, uh, you know, 5G is causing coronavirus. Well, it can't possibly cause coronavirus because things don't work that way or, you know, yeah. whatever. Insert fact here. Oh, well, that's that's only true because that's what the establishment wants you to think. And that's what they're telling you. But the government, they know more or, you know, other crazy it's whack job crazy. group right. that actually probably doesn't even exist. They're the ones controlling all this, but you can't prove it because the they're that people. secretly, right? They're that secret. This is this is the way this stuff is perpetuated and the way they, they supposedly prove them, right? And it's like a mental disorder. It's <laughs> the best way I can describe it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it sure can be. So... So the Bill Gates being the boogeyman is is one of the most recent ones. And of course, even before this pandemic, there is a uh, non-trivial number of people who have decided they don't trust vaccinations. Yeah. Uh, one, you know, the, the one doctor, again, 15, 20 years ago, published the paper saying that vaccines caused autism. Well, it turns out that he was he published that complete load of garbage because he was trying to discredit a competitor's vaccine to get his <laughs> to, to push something else. And he actually he actually admitted that it was garbage. But because people hear something. Even if even if the original source retracts it, people still hold on to the what yeah. was said originally as well, if yeah, it was they, true. It's the same thing I'm just saying. What they do is they say, well, he published the truth. And then he re then then he retracted it because, yeah, because Shadow Pharma. Group X forced him to, right? Yeah. He he actually he he didn't mean to re he didn't want to retract it. He retracted it because he was held at gunpoint and made to retract it, right? So that's yeah. that that's so what I mean. Garbage. Like that's that's how that's how this stuff perpetuates. It's like this and is this is hogwash. If you think about it, the slightest bit of brain power you realize it's hogwash. But yeah. when you take the hogwash and you say that, you know, such and such proves it and such and such proves it and such and such proves it and you give enough of those, then people start to go, oh yeah, that's totally true. And those, those all, all the things around it are just believable enough that if you don't think too hard about them, you think they're true. Right. And 30 or 40 years ago, this stuff was either passed on verbally within small groups or yeah. part of like poorly mimeographed newsletters and stuff. And now it's friggin' Karen on our iPhone forwarding it to all of her to yeah. entire feed right. over and over again. Right. When, you know, when, when, when you can sit on the toilet and fool around on your phone for 15 minutes and reach 15,000 people, that's how this stuff spreads. Like it used to be rumors. You'd spread it around high school or you'd spread it around the water cooler and you'd reach five or 10 people. Now it's 15,000. <laughs> so that was my, that was my head shaking event last night. And I thought it was just, uh, it would make a nice little mini story or rant for the news. Today. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I like that. I like that someone finally asked Bill Gates point blank about this and he answered it. But 
for the, no, for the same the, reason the they're not going to believe, believe it. it aren't going to believe it. They're not going to believe course, it. Yeah, he's not going to say. Of course he would that. say that because why would he tell you? Because then his whole plot is foiled. <laughs> Come on. I would like to build a fun. I would like access to a functional microchip that fits through a standard vaccine needle. That would be that would be awesome. I don't know if you remember. Maybe you never even heard about this, but like two, three years ago, there was this story that came out that supposedly uh, a microchip the size of a grain of rice was being implanted into certain super micro servers. And this supposedly this microchip the size of a grain of rice was essentially a fully functional computer all by itself that would collect data from the server and transmit it off to somebody else, China or wherever. Huh. Right. And this was to the point where they had enough fact, quote unquote, to back all this up that legitimate security professionals weren't convinced by it, but it made them look. Right. It made them try to track this down. Major luck. And it happened. Literally, we were going to DerbyCon that year. I think it was like 2018. Might have been DerbyCon 2018. We're on the way mm-hmm. there and this thing drops. And it all felt so coincidental because you had a big swath of the security industry going to this conference. And then this thing drops. Right. And now all of them are distracted because they're at a conference and they're looking at this thing. And the same deal is with this Twitter thing. Everyone's like. What was really going on that we were all distracted, right? So mm. I don't know that anything was, but, uh, you know, the same sort of deal. That's funny. Yeah. But it's the same thing. It's like a microchip the size of a grain of rice wasn't all that believable. A microchip small enough to fit through the, the needle of a vaccine? Forget yeah, it. Yeah, the needle hole. Forget yeah. it. <laughs> all right. So what's this other crazy article? So I have an article in here from the New York Times. Probably uh, less crazy. Right? Might, it might be less crazy. Uh, and the, the the title is Google takes aim at Amazon again. And it's not from a cloud perspective or a compute perspective. It's literally uh, Amazon as a online uh, marketplace. So it's uh, going to be one other, th- one other thing they're going to try to beat Amazon at that's not going to work? It's just basically dominating. I mean, come on. Amazon is like the ubiquitous online shopping. Right. If you want to go to the mall in the 90s, you had a mall you went to. If you do that online, it's Amazon. Right. But you don't go to Walmart. <laughs> you don't go to Google. Hell, I will go, order something. I you will search order something, Google for yeah. a product and it takes you to Amazon. <laughs> right. Right. And I'm the guy who will order something from Amazon and have it delivered prime rather than drive across town because I don't feel like dealing with people. And right. that was before the pandemic. Yeah. That no, was before the pandemic. I know. I know the feeling. So. This is uh, Google is getting serious about competing with Amazon in online shopping, just as it did in 2013, 2014, 2017, and 2019. (laughs) Good luck with that. But in 2020, as the coronavirus pandemic continues to grip America, the push to create online shopping marketplace to compete with Amazon has taken on new urgency. So basically, uh, Google is going to lower the commissions or whatever that they pull out of your sales. Uh, so that they could attract more people to their online marketplace. Now, I have dipped my toes into the online marketplace thing for selling stuff in the past. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that that was a thing you could do through Google. (laughs) And they've been doing it since 2013. So I think you've lost Google. I'm sorry to tell you this, but Amazon wins. (laughs) Yeah, You're not going to take it. (laughs) And Google has a terrible (laughs) reputation of 
starting something and then just abandoning it. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, yeah. obviously they've been Good doing it since that. 2013. They may not abandon it. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, first of all, th- this, this article made me think, right. Um, the idea that in order to successfully sell things online, you have to give somebody else a cut of your sales. Like, if you want to sell a product, you probably want to sell it through a vendor that's mm-hmm. big, like Amazon. And in order to do that, you need to sell... You, they, they take like 10%, Amazon. Is it that high? It is. It's high. I used to... Damn. The, the only thing I've ever sold through Amazon was... Um, I was making these... So, I don't know how to describe this without completely throwing people off, but, you know, Jeeps have roll bars, right? So, there's a bar that's, like, right next to the driver and the passenger, right? That's part of the roll cage, right? And there's no handles on them. So, a lot of people make, like, Velcro handles. Well, so that you could put it on the roll bar, and then when you get in and out of the Jeep, you have a handle to grab onto and put yourself in and out, right? Um, people figured out how to make them out of paracord, you're familiar with paracord you can people were there was a big craze where people were making bracelets out of paracord maybe eight nine years ago there you've got one right there yeah yeah we got into this in scouts sure and so did everybody else well um you'll note it's red i figured out black trim because of boy scouts oh it's red hat okay red hat yeah but it was made by a fellow scout leader for me cool after i came to red hat right so um i figured out how to make so these grab handles are basically like two big bracelets with a, a a strap in between them, right? So I figured out how to weave two big bracelets and a strap in between them, and I was selling them as grab handles, and that's what I was selling through Amazon. I was selling them for like 50 bucks a pop, mm-hmm. which is, you know, decent considering the amount of time you have to put into weaving all that. Uh, and Amazon was taking a pretty big cut. I want to say it was like 10% whenever I would sell one. So I, I had to set the price sufficiently high that I was getting enough money to, actually made money to pay for like the materials themselves uh, and then also, you know, pay for the the, the cut that Amazon took. But anyway, the, the whole concept, right? It's like it used to be you just sold stuff and you got the profit and then you divvied it up amongst, you know, your your expenses to make the thing and then your the rest of it was profit, right? Uh, now it's like, oh, well, now I got to figure out what the man gets. <laughs> the well, man is Amazon or the man is Google or the man is, uh, remember well, Yahoo Marketplace? Same deal, right? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you're, if you retail, you've got the man too, right? Cause you're probably renting a store. Yeah. Front, you got to pay for your store. If you own a store, you yeah. still, there's still expenses, right? So, so that, that cut that Amazon is taking is replacing that. Right. So, I mean, but I mean, you could run your own online store, which is significantly cheaper. Uh, you can, you know, run an online store for, for a couple bucks a month, probably, when you consider domain registration and hosting and whatever. How, you, how do you take payment? But, well, right. You'd, you'd like Isn't PayPal or, for that? or something, right? And there's a little fee there. But then you don't get the traffic is the big thing. Master of the house. There he goes You're again. You're a little nip. They're a little cut. There he goes again. 3% for sleeping with the window shot. Right. So, at any when rate. When it comes to fixing prices. I really there are only, lots of tricks Nate knows. I really only included this article because I felt Randy nah. <laughs> wanted to include it. Ah, that's fine. All right. I, uh, I don't I'm not gonna invest in Google Marketplace. I don't see that going. Yeah, anymore. I don't I mean 
I see the marketplace ads when I search for something online. I don't know that they really. I got uh, Prime. If it's not on Amazon, it doesn't exist. That, that, that's that's <laughs> yes, that black and white for you. <laughs> it honest to God is because Amazon works flawlessly for me. All right. So our last article for the night is from Yahoo Finance. And unsurprisingly, it's about Red and I got to keep I got to keep Thomas Cameron in whatever I keep him in because he works for Amazon now. Oh, OK. Oh, I get it. I see what you mean. Uh, so IBM's Red Hat acquisition begins to pay off. And this is basically Adam too, your fellow D&D player. Yes, he works for Amazon, too. Anyway, this article is basically all about how uh, IBM purchasing Red Hat a year ago at this point. Uh, was was seen as a way to sort of bolster IBM, right, uh, and sort of help continue to remain to keep them relevant and you know move them forward and whatnot. And this article is basically about how that appears to be working because even through the pandemic, uh, they're showing better quarterly gains. I guess this quarter or the quarter that just finished than anybody yeah. expected. So you know, good stuff. Well, except I'll give you the however. That's the very last sentence in the article. Thus, in my opinion, investors are better off deploying their capital elsewhere in the IT industry where management is more efficient and effective in creating value than IBM. That's a, womp womp. That's a terrible opinion. <laughs> so, so IBM, uh, disclaimer, I guess I work for IBM now, right? Right. Um, IBM uh, is not what people generally think of as, as what they call a growth stock. And a growth stock is where it's like, okay, I'm going to buy shares and they're at $10 and, you know, a short time down the road, they're $15, $20, whatever. Right. You sell them to make a profit, then you take money and you put it in another growth stock and you keep doing stepping. Um, IBM is more like a slow burn and they also pay a dividend. Like I got a check a few weeks back because of stock that I held at a particular time. Uh, a quarter ago because I had IBM shares. So, so when they talk about the dividend, uh, that's, that's what they're talking about. You have this many, this many shares. So your the IBM give basically gives you your cut of the profits uh, in the form of a dividend check. So that that's IBM's more about, I think, you know, people have a lot, have big chunks of it and it's a dividend stock for them. People are not, Generally, from what I can tell, uh, using IBM as a fast-moving growth stock. Now, total disclaimer, other than being an IBM employee, technically, um, I am terrible at the stock market. Like, if if I ever tell you, yeah, I've got some shares of this company I'm going to buy, run. Like, <laughs> Don't buy them. <laughs> don't buy them. In fact, if you have them, you should probably sell them at that point. Yeah. Like, I'm oh, – I. I buy at the wrong time. I sell at the wrong time. Uh, I've, if, if I ever hang out a shingle as a stockbroker and you don't like money, then please come talk to me because I'll, <laughs> I'll help you lose all of it very fast. I've uh, I've never really followed the stock market, and I I, I have a very vague understanding of yeah. sort of how it works and sort of why you would be involved in it. And admittedly, if I had learned it better, I could probably you know, use mm -hmm. it as a money-making tool, but... I don't know. I, I have, just, friend, I have, I have enough. friends and yeah, I have friends and family who are into it, and it just gives me a friggin' headache. Yeah, like I, I, I'm like I don't like dealing with it. I honestly, so. I just want my money to be simple. I want to do a job that gives me fulfillment, 
that pays me money. <laughs> well, you see, that's the kind of attitude that will keep you out of the 1% because to be in the 1%, you need to be like, you know, I power trading. I don't you need, need to be to power be, trading. I don't need to be in the 1%. Right. I need, I need so. to make enough money that I am content and can put away money for retirement mm. so that when I retire, I can continue to be content. That's my goal in life. Contentment. <laughs> Conan, what is best in life? To crush the enemy. Okay. To see him driven before you. And you hear the lamentations of the women. Yeah. <laughs> Conan the Barbarian. No, I, I'm totally picking up what you're putting down, dude. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would not complain if I had a if I had a surplus of money that I could do awesome things with. And I mean, hopefully I don't want to go too deep into my own personal finances, but I'm I'm working my way out of a hole. And once I'm out of it, I think that the salary I make at Red Hat will be enough to let me do that to some extent. And that's good enough for me. Yeah. No, due to circumstances in my own life, I'm actually pretty comfortable now myself. Yeah. I don't. So I, I, don't I can a... tell you, I remember when I was young and poor and I didn't like it very much. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is nice not worrying. Will I be able to pay this bill? Can I afford to take this trip? Can I afford to buy this? Yeah. I it, mean, it's nice not worrying about it. To, to some extent, I'm already there, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm to the point where all the bills are paid and I have a, enough surplus that I'm getting, like, instead of balances going up every month, they're going down, like significantly well, you're, down. You're you're doing better than I was at your age or when my kids were your age. Well, your kids' ages. Maybe, so keep it up. Maybe I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> now, and, and I made some not why I at times in my life, there have been times when I made questionable financial decisions. So I sometimes piled up more debt than I wanted. Mm -hmm. Is that the other thing? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of yeah. where we were uh, just a couple of years ago when I decided I've had but enough think, of this and it's time to turn it around. And the, the opportunity at Red Hat was uh, just another accelerator for that. So. Mm, accelerator. You like that that's word. A fun I, word. I, I do like that word. <laughs> I do like that word. But yeah. So I guess the point is IBM had a had a better quarter than the street thought they would. The stock has taken a, a bump up, but because stock analysts can't ever be just you know positive, they right. always have to smack <laughs> you around somehow. Uh, this guy is not recommending that if you want a fast moving stock that you invest in IBM. That's nice. Invest somewhere else. Good for him. So that closes the news for tonight. So I'm going to go news. through our closing stuff quickly enough. I think we've been stuff. we've been on the should air. I like, watch, should I watch episode three? I think it's too late to watch episode three right now. And I'm a little I had a little too much bourbon. So we've I been on like the I'm air two and a half hours. It's already nine thirty. Good Lord. Tonight was going to be a fast one. I know. I know. We talk too much. <laughs> Do people like, you know, there's still the feedback. The thing. The thing I want some feedback. I want to know: Do people actually listen to the whole damn show, or do they think we talk too much? I mean, are people like listening to the first part, and then they're like, "Ah, to hell with this other babble that goes on." Or do they live for like our babbling? Like, maybe there's some people who legitimately like listening to a two, a two, two and a half hour nerdathon. I don't know. I mean, I I can't tell um, from the uh the the audio download statistics how much people are actually listening to i can say i've heard from people that say they can't commit to a two-hour podcast but we've asked the listeners and viewers in the past should we try to make it shorter and most people have just told us 
Keep doing what you're doing. So if you're listening to this right now, if you're listening to this right now, let Nate and I know whether or not we talk too much or whether the, you're okay with the lane. Get get in touch with us through the various channels, but give us give us that feedback. That I'm I'm begging you as Uncle Mark right now. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, oh my God, I'm channeling an evangelical pastor. If you're listening <laughs> to the sound of my voice, people, raise your arms. And, and give us feedback on the length of the podcast. Right. Because I feel like it's long, but I enjoy the heck out of doing it. So I don't, I don't, I don't think I could do a 45 minute podcast every, you know, twice a month. So uh, you, you can't see this, but on, on the Twitch chat, we got, we got someone saying that it's great. <laughs> I don't know that they're a normal listener or not. They may just be tuning in because, uh, I you know, we're see. on Twitch now. I oh, that's right. You that. are watching Twitch, aren't you? So, uh, so yeah. Um, they also asked, let's see, if if CEH was still a valid cert. I I honestly don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. not a Cisco guy. <laughs> I I wish I could give you advice on that, my friend. Yeah. Um, well, no. These these are security certs, right? CEH. I forget what that even uh, well, stands see, that's for. That's how that's how right. much of a dumbass I am. Well, I know yeah. the the CISSP is like the the token cert that all security professionals sort right. of have, and it's it's almost some people consider it a joke in the industry, and some people say it is gold, right? So, is um, it like the A one or whatever, or the A plus? No, no, it's better than that. Like it is. Well, I'm just it saying... is a bigger it's a bigger cert than that, but it's it's all basically like study this book hierarchy. and go get a CISSP cert, right? So, okay, like it's not a practical cert. I always put a lot more, uh, I always put a lot more stock in practical certs than book smart certs. Right. Well, because we're red hat snobs, we like our practical no, not, stuff. I mean, sure, I guess, but uh, maybe that's because people who put value in practical certs also end up being red hat snobs. I don't know. I think I had this opinion Ooh. well before I was a red hat snob. <laughs> so, so Sadeep, I'm, I'm thinking it's Sadeep. I'm going to, I'm going to guess that that's sure. the, that part of his name. Um, he's asking how about Azure, which I like saying Azure, Azure. versus AWS for the next podcast. Like it's a, it, it's like a, a, a cloud off like you know um i'll have to talk to jason because he's got experience with both he's he's yeah. currently working in azure with his current employer and he did a lot of aws with his last employer well um, he's gonna have to show his ass up then he will we'll have to make sure he can actually come and attend the <laughs> the show but uh that will... i would have fun riding along with that yeah i mean and i have a little bit of aws experience and i don't have a i've lot logged of into azure, azure. Right, exactly. It's like I I logged into Azure, I spun up a WordPress instance, and I turned it off, and then I left and forgot about it. There was this thing. There was this thing <laughs> where you did it. You did a couple of labs in Azure a few years ago, and you got a micro drone, and the micro drone is around here somewhere. Whoa, I, I would have done that. Where I put it. No, it was cool, right? <laughs> I you, done that well, just to you get could the drone. either get the, you could either get the drone or a or a like a or like a hundred dollars in compute credit. I'm like, screw it. I'm getting the drone. What, what do I need compute credit on Azure for? Yeah, right. Like I'm going to come back and use Azure. With that. <laughs> I want the drone. Like I'm just some nerd. I'm not, I don't, I don't run anything in the cloud. I, I can say that at this point, um, AWS is becoming more and more sort of ubiquitous, ubiquitous. I forget how to say that word. Um, and, uh, Azure, I just don't know if they can, they're playing catch up. Microsoft is playing catch up with, with with Amazon because Amazon is innovating in the space and Azure is just like 
oh, we should do that too. And then they, they go do that too. And then Amazon's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, yeah, but we did that last year. We're doing this now. And then Azur's like, oh, we should do that too. And mm. it's, it's... But, yeah, well, there's some buts though, right? There There's some buts because Amazon... It's so easy to get locked. This is funny that Microsoft might be the less vendor locky solution <laughs> than Amazon. Yes. So Amazon definitely has a lot of lock in. Google there, has right? a cloud? No. Uh, I'm <laughs> kidding. I know that Google has a cloud. That's Look, okay. They're going to turn so, it off tomorrow. <laughs> Sadeep, we're going to talk about this next time, I think. Yeah, I think let's we, not, we, let's not, we could. Let's not. And there's a cloud in Nate's basement. That's where you really want your workloads. Is there? But I might be, I might be, uh, <laughs> My daughter who's at Seton Hall, they need a Linux server. I might be helping her to get that stood up in Amazon for her lab because they need something public facing. Cool. Anyway. Cool. So at any you rate, do, I was you were gonna wrap us up. I was about got, to wrap up the show. Then we started talking about clouds. So yeah, maybe that'll be a future show. We'll just have a cloud bake. I off. think that's I a know. great topic. That's a great topic. It is. It is bake. great. We have talked cloud in the past, but that space is changing so quickly that uh, we could talk about it like once a month and probably have new stuff to talk about. Anyway, uh, so folks, if you're watching the live show, um, you can catch us live on the second and fourth Thursday of every month. Um, if you're listening, you know, after the fact and want to hear us live, that's where you can do it. Uh, you can find us on youtube.com slash podcast. And since this did go pretty well, I'm going to start including the Twitch stream in our in our uh, our notes here like so you Twitch. guys can check us out on Twitch. So any of you that are watching us on Twitch for the first time, thanks for checking us out. Um, this is the first time we've streamed, we've multi-streamed to both YouTube and Twitch. Uh, so I think it worked out pretty well, except for our weird bandwidth problem that we had, which I think was my fault. <laughs> I'm blaming you for sure. It's totally my fault. It's a, I, I was a sysadmin for years. It's always my fault. Uh, so... Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to start including that uh, as our normal, you know, normal, uh, one of our normal streaming platforms. So that's cool. Um, if you, I would say if you want to join our Slack workspace, you should, but I don't think the link works stay, at this point. Stay tuned. So yeah. we're, we're, we're going to work that out. Rant for, as per your rant from an hour as ago. As per the, the rant an hour ago, work. right. Uh, you can find us on social media via Twitter and or Facebook, whichever one you prefer, facebook.com slash ironsysadmin and twitter.com slash ironsysadmin. Uh, you can find me at Gangriff. Uh, Mark, you don't really visit Twitter that much. Do you want to share your Twitter uh, handle or something else? My Twitter, hand, my Twitter handle, I think, is Richter Mark. Let me just double check that. We're going to drag you kicking and screaming into Twitter because that's just, Twitter's. <laughs> no, I periodically use it. Like I found myself retweeted tonight because of some stuff that I wrote. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm Richter Mark. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just Richter Mark. One word. Cool. And Mark is it the say. So there you go. M-A-R-C. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, you can subscribe to the audio version of the podcast wherever you normally find podcasts. I've checked, and we're on a number of them. If you don't find us on whatever platform you like, let us know. We'll find out how to get ourselves added there. And if you want to support the show monetarily, you can do so via Patreon, patreon.com slash ironsysadmin. And I'm going to find our, our Teespring shop's URL and put it back in the show notes <laughs> so more people can buy shirts and stickers. <laughs> ah, I think that's it for tonight. That was a fun show. Oof. That yeah, was a fun show. It seems to Are we still forever. live? We, we're, we're still live. Oh, okay. For, for the moment. Because I was looking at Twitter. This is what I got distracted. <laughs> you got distracted. All right. <laughs> so anyone who's stuck with us this long, I see, I see 
according to this, we got three people still on YouTube, two people on Twitch. I mean, you're probably one of each of those, right? And there's even I'm someone sure. watching on Facebook Live. So uh, Facebook Live? Yeah, I streamed. I told you I streamed to my own personal account on Facebook Live because I can't stream to a page for whatever reason unless I pay for a restream. Uh, so strange. So strange. I think I've had enough talking for tonight. So thank you guys all for watching, and we'll catch you in two weeks. Peace. Five seconds. No, ten seconds. Sorry. No, five. Ah. <laughs> Welcome to tonight's episode of the Iron Sysadmin Podcast, folks. Where um, we count! Where we, we count here! Where we count down because we can't hear the intro music. So hopefully that went smoothly. <laughs> <laughs>